party. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program, podcast and video extravaganza known internationally Hi, Mom. as the world-famous Smokin' and Toastin'. We are here for show number 271, which puts us officially... At halfway to 300. And we're really excited about I've that, I've done the too. math, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't try to really excited like about that. Carry the, okay. <laughs> Our program's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars, and we welcome back today uh, to the program from Spirits Investment Partners and Heaven's Door Whiskey, Mr. Austin Millspaw. Welcome back, Austin. Thanks, guys. Good I should mention, by the way, that Austin risked life and limb to be here today. <laughs> yes. I'm serious, because you're based out of Dallas. Yes. And there's, you had like major ice storm, right? Oh, it's still, tw- it's still 28 degrees there. It's, it's still ice. So you drove to Houston driving away from, or sliding away from, uh, the uh, the Metroplex area uh, headed in our direction. And, and you even showed us a picture of like a jackknifed 18-wheeler you had to go around. Oh, yeah. It That's was crazy. hanging off a bridge, and you had to go around the shoulder just to get around it. Well, we appreciate your dedication just to bring us whiskey. This is this is really a, a, a noble uh, a noble thing that you do, and I don't know if people recognize that as often as they should. So, as long as they enjoy the juice, I'm happy. Okay. <laughs> well, we know that we enjoy the juice because we've had you on the show before, and and we've gone into and we will uh, kind of recap that a little bit. How Heaven's Door, uh, which is Bob Dylan's uh, whiskey, is not your typical celebrity endorsement booze. It's no. uh, it's uh, it's quite different. It has a lot uh, going for it, and we'll get into a lot of that a little bit later on. Plus, you brought us this Bob Dylan vinyl set. This is like like the Johnny Cash sessions and all kinds of alternate versions and outtakes. This is uh, that's crazy. I mean, I brought you all a gift last time, so I figured we just got to keep going. Well, I love it. I love it. <laughs> I've still got just a tiny, tiny bit. Of that, really, the the bootleg the, one. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. I've been, you know, I, I've been hoarding it. It's only when like people come over and you want to do a special toast, you know, that type of thing, because it's so amazingly delicious. But that that leather bound box looks great on my whiskey <laughs> shelf. So. Yeah. I I will admittedly say when I left the studio that day, I it kind of a moment of elucidation happened. I was like, I'm never going to get one of those bottles again. Oh. And I never did, but I kept my other two bootlegs, so okay. we're good. All right, well, <laughs> I, I would be willing to give this one back to you no, once it's, it's empty. Oh, there you go. <laughs> just add to that. You know, aesthetic. just if you needed to keep the collection. So, um, Well, welcome back to the show, uh, Austin. We're excited to talk about uh, Heaven's Door today, and we are going to talk more uh, top cigars as well. And, uh, well, we just got a lot going on. You remember, of course, that we like to taste the beers on the show, and we'll be doing that again from Paradigm Brewing Company uh, in near to us, Tomball, Texas. We'll be tasting their Professor Pills. It's a Pilsner, of course. I don't know. Have we had anything from Paradigm? I don't think. We I have. don't think we, we have. have I, it, I know we didn't have the pills. I know so. it exists, but I don't think I've tried any of their beers. Tomball is not that far away. Uh, um, Adam's brother lives in Tomball. So, I you know. work in Tomball a lot. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's, Weirdly uh, enough, you'd think I'd go there. We'll, we're going to have to go and, uh, and meet at the uh, Paradigm <laughs> Brewing it. Company and right. throw a few back. That'll be fun. Uh, from uh, California, from Paso Robles, Firestone Walker Brewing Company has a uh, limited release hazy IPA called Blank Noise or Blanc Noise, B L A N C. So maybe pronounce Blanc. I don't know. So it's not just an underline with nothing above it. It's actually right. the word. It's actually B L A N C <laughs> Noise. So yeah. I'd prefer the underline. Uh, you know, that would have been, been fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> Fill in the blank yeah. here. If, if I ever release a hazy IPA, it'll just be, you know, underline me. 
<laughs> Blank yes. meat. Yes. Yeah, that, that'll, that'd be a good name, right? <laughs> that would work. Uh, we'll also be tasting from uh, right in your uh, neck of the woods, uh, Austin, from uh, Community Beer Company. We'll be tasting their Legion Russian Imperial Stout. I thought with, uh, with Russia, uh, you know, being in the news in such a negative way right now that we would try to find a positive angle on Russian. And the only one I could find, quite frankly, was Russian Imperial Stout. So Russian Imperial so Stouts are good. We went there. So At one point, I lived there. across the street from that brewery. No kidding. Nice. Really? Wow. Great guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, they have really released some excellent beers. We've had a number of them uh, on the show, and uh, but we've never had the Stout. So. It would be a dangerous thing for me to live that close across to a brewery. Across the street. I know. We <laughs> I would get to know those people really well. That's <laughs> why I don't live there that, anymore. <laughs> hey, honey, I'm just going to run across the street for a minute. I'll, um, I'll be back at some point. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty cool. Uh, so a lot of stuff going on uh, in the world of tobacco and spirits and all of uh, those things. We will be talking about craft beer trends to watch for in 2022. And a uh, French brewer is selling a blue beer made with algae. I don't know. I'm pretty adventurous when it comes to beer, but I, I don't know if I don't know if I'm anxious to try so, that one. So. Um, in my uh, brew club, CCSD, mm-hmm. but I'm actually wearing the shirt today. Um, we have, you know, for, for new members, we, we have a process that we go through where you, you're learning to join. You have to learn the club lore. And it's called the, hazing, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, we call it cheesing, but whatever. <laughs> but one of the uh, one of the questions we always ask people is, um, can you name a good French beer? And there are only two acceptable answers. One is no, and two is maybe Francis Connor. So <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> so the CCSD stands for the Connoisseurs Club of Smoking and Drinking. Okay, so I I'll tell you something interesting. We were putting together a one sheet about the show because we're talking about taking it out and making it available as a syndicated radio show, which we've been talking about for a little while, and that process is ongoing. And so I had to put a one sheet together for the show, and I was just listing credentials. I put a little bit about my you know, career and the embarrassing radio stations I was a part of during my uh, time. And when it came to you, I thought, okay, he's, he's an accomplished musician. He's been a member of a number of bands. I thought, oh, and he's a member of the Connoisseur's Club of Smoking and Drinking. And when you see that in print, it looks so like important, and that's pretty nice. Right? There's a lot of syllables there. It's like, it's like people people see that and they go, "Oh, this guy must really know what he's talking about." <laughs> so we're more like a drinking club with a brewing problem, but yeah, that's okay. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, we'll also be uh, bringing to you the most popular segment of the program once we get uh, a little uh, deeper in today. I don't remember if we were doing this yet when you were on the show last, uh, Austin, but across the last couple of years. Uh, the most popular segment of Smoking and Toasting has become a part that we call Drinking News. Drinking News. And, and uh, Drinking News is where we bring you stories from the news that are, you know, real, but uh, they sometimes uh, involve drinking, but they are always best enjoyed if you've been drinking. So we wait until later in the show to make sure that we have been, and then uh, and then we bring uh, Drinking News it's, on It's you. a timing thing. You know? today's, I, I love this new edition. Today's Drinking News headline, uh, teaser headline is... Okay, now can I have a drink? 
So today's is about drinking, by the way. So you'll, you'll, <laughs> nice. Uh, you'll be able to look forward to that. Uh, so lots of great stuff to come on the show. We're excited to talk. I, I know you brought some interesting little bottles here that I I, uh, I sense may not be exactly what's uh, in in the normal ones that are sold. Is that yes, right? Yes. So, so I wanted to show you when we were last here, we, we had the big bottles, and we got to kind of try them, talk mm-hmm. about them. They're a little younger then, they're a little older now. So we realized we want more people to kind of enjoy what we like making. So we did a package that's our trilogy case, ah. as that one's not turned backwards since I yeah. opened it early. Um, <laughs> but it. our trilogy case, just to kind of get people to try all three of our whiskeys. Right. And so I figured this was a great way to show it. But the treat was that... So those that might not know, we've been distilling some of our own mash bills since 2015. Right. We started with two. We're now sitting at about five total. And this is one of them, which is a high rye bourbon. Oh, wow. Um, it sits at about 120.4 proof. Mm. So something great for you guys to try. And we, Speak in Ian's language. We, we actually showcase it in our single barrel selection. So something fun for guests to kind of hear about and maybe go try to find based on what retailer did a barrel with us. Okay, so so that these, sounds fun. these would be locatable then if a particular retailer got together with you and did a uh, like a, a one barrel that was exclusively theirs to sell. Is that yes. right? Yes, yes. That's cool. That's very cool. I like it. Well, uh, uh, we'll look forward to tasting those and, of course, talking about uh, the main line of whiskeys as well. What? Uh, uh, tell us just a little bit about how, how Bob Dylan... Being involved in this, I mean, he's kind of a notoriously private guy, and 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 you know, uh, for a performer, you don't hear him out a lot, you know, doing a lot of splashy things. And all of a sudden, we hear a number of years ago that he's involved in in this whiskey. How did that go about, and how did how did it come about, and how is it different from how a lot of celebrities have put their name on uh, a spirit? Well, first off, not to knock any other brands that have no, celebrity no. with them. but I understand. Some of those are quite yeah, good, and then right. there's Conor McGregor. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so Bob Dylan actually owns a portion of our distillery. He's not just kind of a spokesperson, if right, you will. Right. Um, he owns part of the distillery with our other two founders, Mark Bouchal and Ryan Perry. So Mark Bouchala started Angel's Envy with Lincoln West Henderson, worked on some other projects, helping other distilleries launch. And at the time, Ryan Perry, our master blender, worked for Diageo as one of the heads of their barrel department. So they worked together in a couple of similar projects. And in our industry, everything's incestuous, so they really kind of knew sure. one another. Um, at the time where a larger brand was buying Angel's Envy to kind of bring him into their portfolio, Mark kind of wanted to step away and do his own thing and not really have this whole, like, let's report to an investment, a massive investment pool, right. something along those lines. And Ryan Perry wanted to take everything he learned and put it into practicality. Right. Right around that exact same time, Bob Dylan trademarked a term bootleg whiskey. So mm. this is essentially the only project he's done outside of music. Uh, and the other are two little avenues to kind of keep these creative gears turning where he's done metal works and paintings. Mm-hmm. Um, but he wanted to kind of make a limited release whiskey just the way he wanted it. So essentially being from outside of Duluth, Minnesota, living in Nashville, living in New York, he was always into drinking whiskey. And kind of the whole idea was, well, I want to make it my own way. You know, no no one has to enjoy it. I just want to enjoy it. I just want to have it. I just want, I just want if it's I just want. for yeah. me, it's for me. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Bob nice. Dylan can afford to do these types yeah. of things. You know? <laughs> just a little bit. If um, I decided to make my own whiskey, it'd be, I'd be pretty disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> Based on my resources, that is. Well, so it was really interesting. So he thought he was going to do an LTO. Mark and Ryan kind of, they all kind of sat together and started to talk. 
because he'd met with a, a couple bigger brands, but not really wanting to go with a bigger brand. He wanted to sit with someone where he can be more intimate about how it's made and what it tastes like. Right. So they kind of got to talking, and after a couple of those meetings, those sit-downs where they actually get to meet him, because you know he's a recluse. Right. So it's the few times he comes out in public. Right. Um, they kind of realized that the whole story they were telling actually interlaced all three of them. And instead of this you know, one-off, once it's gone, it's gone, it was a story they wanted to kind of tell 365 days out of the year because it was this concept of creating their legacy. Right. Essentially, all three of them had this idea of creating something that hopefully outlived them. And Bob at the time didn't quite, was, wasn't quite thinking that way, mm-hmm. but really kind of fell in love with what they were going for and how this continued legacy, they wanted to create it and he wanted to be a part of that. And it was, it was really interesting because as they kind of talked about flavor, we were originally going to launch two whiskeys and ended up launching three just because of their conversations about flavor and how they wanted you know their whiskeys to taste. And so were there three from the very beginning? No, we were actually going to only launch a bourbon and a rye. Mm-hmm. And then the double barrel, our middle one, actually came out of, I like to call beneficent error. It was just their conversation on flavor, making the barrel become a little more present. Mm-hmm. but not as present <clears throat> as the barrel is in Texas whiskey. So right. something really subtle, but still there. And that's how, about 103 tries later, the <laughs> double barrel came to be. You know what's <laughs> great about the, the fact that it took 103 tries? That means there were 102 samplings <laughs> yes. before the... And I bet some of them were actually pretty good. Oh, from what I've heard, there, there was a few of them that were really good. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty awesome. I This is what, uh, you know, I have no skill when it comes to distilling brewing or you know tobacco manufacture and blending but i would still love to be the guy where they go okay here's what we need you to try today tell us which one of these is <laughs> yeah, good <please>. you know <laughs> it's like uh, it's like that episode of cheers where norm gets the job uh, as the beer taster yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that that's that's the dream he right just there. goes in and hugs the mash tun. yeah it's it's really <laughs> a wonderful scene <laughs> he's got the white lab coat on it's great it's great stuff well uh, we're looking forward to uh, doing uh, some more tasting here in a little bit. I want to uh, turn the conversation to cigars for a moment and ask Ian about uh, about his week. Did you smoke anything interesting? I did. I went by Casa uh, de Monte Cristo this morning and was chatting with uh, Steve over there. He's so nice. Uh, asked him what was new. And he had, the, um, he had the end caps up where they had the, the cigar aficionado. Oh, the top, top cigars of the year. Cigars. Yeah. And then they also had a second one that had cigar snobs. Top cigars. Uh, that yeah. was kind of fun. Uh-huh, so yeah. I was looking around on them. But anyway, I picked up a couple cigars that uh, <laughs> I haven't had before that I thought would be fun. Both of them were on uh, lists. So I picked up the Hoya de Nicaragua Silver. Have you oh, had that? I don't think I've had the silver. No. Okay. So I picked up the Corona. That's what they had on the end cap. So I, I grabbed that. It was a um, 5.5 by 42 in size. Now, the Robusto f- uh, was the one that was actually number 16 on Cigar Aficionado's uh, top 25 uh-huh. list this year. Okay. So that that profile made it. Uh, I just I had the Corona instead of the Robusto. Uh, this is a Nicaraguan wrapper, a Mexican binder, and Nicaraguan filler. So not a Nicaraguan Puro, but very Nicaraguan cigar. The appearance, medium brown, smooth, leathery, box-pressed, silver with white wrapper, uh, medium firmness overall. Nice-looking cigar. Um, The pre-light sniff on it. Uh, Classic tobacco, chocolate and coffee, hints of leather and barnyard going on. It was really, really nice-smelling cigar. Nice. 
I was like, I, like, I want a room that smells like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That'd exactly. be amazing. Yeah, if they could just come up with that as an incense, right? Yes, yes, That'd be or, awesome. or or, a, or a, a, a cologne. I'd be that'd be amazing. <laughs> Um, the pre-light draw on this, I used a clip, uh, it had a light draw, leather on the lips a little bit, sweet coffee and earth uh, going on with it. The initial light, Nicaraguan Pepper Blast. No, I haven't written the piece of music for that yet. That's going to happen at some Pepper point. Blast. I'm going to sing it <laughs> until you actually write it. This is my way of urging This is our work. It. This is our uh, workflow. He tortures me into yes, yes. making music. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do my, my best. Um... So I'm a tortured artist, but not in the way that most people are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do my best Barry Gibb impression. Nicaraguan Pepper Blast. Oh, and I'm going to keep right doing there. it. I'm gonna soul. keep doing it until you get that. You get that written. <laughs> so a uh, huge cedar and spices on this. We are talking about a cigar, right? Yes. <laughs> I just want to make sure we're back At to some where we point. Were. Yes. <laughs> um, so <laughs> huge cedar and spices, hints of leather and coffee with mocha. Retro hail is peppery and woody. This, by the way, starts <clears> off pretty full flavored mm, um, from so, the beginning, huh? Yeah, don't don't go into this cigar thinking it'll be mild at all because yeah. it's not. not <laughs> the mild. first start of this huge pepper and wood notes, uh, dark fruit followed up, uh, creamy sweet coffee, chocolate and cinnamon in abundance. Retrohale is cedar and pepper with sweet coffee. This had a flaky ash to it, but it had a perfect burn. The second third of this. Pepper and spices back off just a little bit, leaving room for some of the sweeter flavors. I got some dark fruit, some sweet, creamy coffee, chocolate, and copious amounts of cedar and oaky dryness. Big, fluffy smoke all the way there. It's the kind of smoke that makes you want to blow uh, smoke rings. Nice. It's really, really fun. Uh, cinnamon aftertaste, retro hails, tangy, sweet cedar and pepper. Flaky ash, perfect burn. The last third of this woody sweet flavors move forward along with cinnamon and spicy fruit notes. Uh, pepper remains as the backbone um, on the palate. Tangy leather is still present. Tangy tobacco sweetness on the lips. The retro hail is sweet cedar and cinnamon with chocolate. A little bit of chocolate in the back of that is really nice. Flaky ash, perfect burn. This nice. is a powerhouse cigar. Mm -hmm. It costs th uh, $6.35. Okay. Not I bad. gave it a seven. Yeah, wow, okay. that's a huge score. Yeah, it was fantastic. Huge. I enjoyed it tremendously. Do not buy this cigar if you don't like anything stronger than medium. It's a, um, it's definitely not my Fisher Price. My first cigar. This yeah. is definitely like to my palate. This is definitely in the full pro, the full flavor yeah. range. Nice. Uh, it's not the strongest cigar I've ever had, but it's definitely it's definitely in full flavor, right? So, but it, but a seven, you know, the price to quality scale basically five means you get what you pay for, right? On a scale of one to ten, so anything that bats above a five is is exceptional. And this was not a particularly big cigar. It did smoke for uh, forty-five minutes easily, yeah. oh. um, and so that was it. Was a nice timeline on it. Uh, the, the ash never fell on me as I was keeping an eye on. Once I noticed the f ash was flaky, I just kind of yeah <laughs> kept an eye on. The burn was the burn was flawless. Great, so. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> the burn was flawless. The uh, um, it, was, it was like a razor-like burn all the way through there, uh, and and uh, and the flavors were fantastic. I truly enjoyed it. So I gave it a seven on the. Uh, on the uh, price to quality because I, I wouldn't have batted an eye paying you know eight dollars 
nine dollars for a cigar i would have said hey that's a pretty good cigar nice i like so. it all right well i'll tell you about mine uh when we come back in our next segment and we also will be tasting some whiskey i'm excited about uh, uh getting to a little bit of heaven's door plus our first uh beer for the show today the professor pills pilsner from paradigm brewing company in tomball texas we'll be getting to that's that easy for you to say momentarily <laughs> i actually got through that pretty well didn't i i'm gonna give myself a, a gold so i'm i'm employee of the week <laughs> I've just decided. Nice. We'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting. You're the only one here. really that cigar really wanted it. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting, show number 271. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We uh, d- Does anybody know if we disappeared from Spotify? They had, some kind of, uh, they had some kind of podcast like outage or something, and, and people thought they'd done it to, like, you know, take down Joe Rogan or something crazy like that. But no, it was just they just had some sort of a technical glitch. And for a while, there were some podcast episodes of uh, unavailable. So I don't know if that happened to us. But you can get our show all over the place. Spotify uh, has us. You can get Apple, us. Uh, uh, yeah, Apple Podcasts. Podcast we're on, has, we're on yeah. YouTube. Uh, the uh, shows go up. And YouTube, by the way, Adam does a nice job of breaking down some of the individual segments. So he'll post, in addition to posting the whole show on YouTube, he'll post just, you know, Ian talking about the cigar that he had today or or, uh, or our tasting notes on uh, one of the beers that we had. You can also go, you can find us on YouTube as well. And a, yeah. lot, of those, a lot of those, you can have the full... Uh the full episode, which is a lot yeah. to, to do at once, but if you're having like a nice romantic dinner with the with the lady at home, you can put that on the background. It really, <laughs> it really, is, it really sets, sets the mood. The mood it yeah. really well, does. You're talking about flavor. I mean, I was getting wooed, so I feel yeah. like it was. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, you just wait till we get to drinking news. I mean, oh, yeah, it really yeah. does. Like the the dulcet, sweet tones of your of your uh, cigar descriptions and everything yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh baby, it had, it had, uh, it had vanilla on stop, the retro You're making my eye twitch. <laughs> uh, I smoked a really interesting one uh, this week that I wanted to tell you about. Ian, it's uh, I went uh, kind of against my normal uh, type and smoked a. Uh, 60 ring gauge uh, cigar. I, I oh. generally stay, you know, like 50 and, and under. I really, really like 45 to 50 is about my favorite, you know, in terms of, uh, of ring gauges. Uh, but I uh, grabbed something in the humidor at Specs uh, in uh, Midtown here in Houston, <clears throat> and it was something that I was not familiar with. And I've had so many of the different cigars from Rocky Patel's uh, line of cigars, and he has a pretty broad line, mm-hmm. but I'd never had the Tavacusa. And so I bought a Tavacusa 60, and Tavacusa, uh, I came to find out, is the name of the little cigar factory that Rocky opened in Esteli in uh, 2008. Now, most of the cigars in the Rocky Patel line are made at the Placencia factory, but he opened Tavacusa as a smaller a uh, more boutique kind of of uh, factory, and some of the small and limited brands that he does, and a lot of the new brands that he comes out originate there at Tavacusa. So that's his uh, that's 
his. I don't, that's I don't his, think I've seen that one. Yeah, that's his uh, uh, his factory, and so this cigar was named after the factory. Um, it uses a Mexican San Andres wrapper over Nicaraguan binder and fillers, very much like uh, the cigar that you had, and uh, it it is a beast too. It's six by sixty, and I I thought, okay, this will be this will be fun because this is a little outside of my normal you know smoking zone. So um, there was a little bit of hay and barnyard on the pre light sniff and draw, but the prominent note was actually a chocolate one. I used a punch, and away I went. Nicaraguan pepper blast. You're so wrong. Uh, Yeah, I know. It's wrong on so many levels, but I bet it's working. (laughs) I bet it's working. (laughs) so wrong. The Nicaraguan pepper blast lasted only a few puffs, Uh, but uh, even when it settled down, I could tell that the uh, Tavacusa was going to pack a bit of a punch, And, and so it doesn't surprise me that you know, given the the tobacco construction of both of the cigars we're talking about today, uh-huh. it doesn't surprise me that both of us had a pretty you know pretty, pretty full, full flavor uh, experience. experience. Yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. A distinct toastiness was the first uh, note that I uh, was able to identify, along with some tangy citrus and actually a little bit of creaminess on the finish, which kind of helped keep the fullness from being like overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um, flavors got more complex as it smoked, and there were also notes of vanilla and a minerality that uh, that kind of worked its way across the palate too. Second third continued the complexity with some deep aged tobacco notes that gave uh, the Tavacusa some extra richness. Toast was still evident as well, and the construction was absolutely excellent. <clears throat> By the halfway point, I got notes of black coffee and some licorice, although that particular note only lasted for a moment and then it was gone. Now, unfortunately, my notes today are a, a little bit incomplete, uh, but for the best of reasons. This cigar burned so slowly <laughs> that I only got about half of it smoked before I had to set it down and come in and do the show. I literally, uh, I, I think that it would have lasted almost two hours. And unfortunately, I didn't start it two hours before the show. So uh, usually, you, you, know, you have already sold me that cigar. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> well, this is one I thought of you, actually, even though it's not the big beast that you usually uh, light when you get in the inner tube and float down the river every summer. <laughs> it, it would almost do the same job because, it, it, seriously, it's, I bet it's a good two-hour smoke. It, but it wasn't because there was a low volume of smoke or it was difficult to draw. I mean, it was, it was big volumes yeah. of puffy white smoke, and, and it, uh, it burned great. It was, uh, it, was, it was a really, really good cigar. I just didn't start it early enough. Uh, wish I'd had time for the whole thing. It was nicely complex, a great mix of flavors, and great construction. I do recommend it, and I give it a big thumbs up. However, a quick check of online tobacconist showed me that it was either sold out or no longer available at most places. Now, I'm not sure what year Aww. this came out. And I will say, I bought mine in the humidor at Specs in Midtown Houston, and it was actually like, you know how there's this science that they know about in, in grocery stores and stuff where people buy mostly stuff at eye level. Right. And I've noticed that when I go into the humidors, I, I always have a tendency to not look down at the bottom Rose. I have a tendency to look eye level and a little bit lower, a little bit higher. So I went all the way down. That was where I found the Tavacusa. It was on the bottom row of all the Rocky Patel stuff at the Specs Humidor. So I uh, reached out and thought, I haven't seen this. And I, uh, I bought it. It was $11. And uh, so they still had quite a few of them. So my point is you might be able to find this. Until tomorrow. At your, <laughs> at your local tobacconist. But you're going to, you might have to look down at that bottom row that we often uh, uh, don't look at. Because for whatever reason, I guess this one didn't get as much attention as a Rocky blend 
normally gets. You know, it, it depending if, it, if it's been out for a while, something like that could have been too. Also, just a fluke. Maybe a box got mixed up and was behind some other boxes, and they went, "Oh, yeah. we need to put this out." Could be, could you be. I, I remember I was kind of scanning over the Rocky stuff because I was looking for something that I could smoke and mention on the show that I hadn't already done. And I generally, you know, when he puts something new out, I generally try to get one and smoke yeah, it and talk yeah. about it on the show. So I'm looking, is there anything I haven't? I've done the decade. I've done the 60. I've, what is this? The Tavacusa. Hadn't, I, the name I've never didn't even seen even, that yeah, before. I, didn't I looked even ring the a bell. picture of the so, cigar. I hadn't seen it. So hadn't anyway, it uh, if you were in Houston, there are still some, if you can beat Ian to them, uh, on the bottom row at the Spec Humidor in uh, Midtown. $11 cigar, price to quality, 55 Nice. Uh, I, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Had it been 12 over 13, I would have still felt like I got, you know, every bit of what I paid for. And what's interesting is that you can tell from the picture, like, it, it's not that it doesn't look elegant, but Rocky's, you know, bands have a tendency on his cigars. Like, if you look at the 60, it's got all of that shiny yeah, gold. Yeah. This one looks much more, like, understated. And uh, I don't know, maybe maybe it, a little uh, more maybe it didn't go over that well and they didn't uh, keep making it. Maybe the demand was so high they've just not been able to meet it. I don't know which is true. But uh, in any case, if you've had the Tavacusa, let us know about it in the uh, show notes. 5.5 price to quality and uh, big... Big thumbs up. That was a very, very good uh, beer sound, by the way. You're getting better and better at that as we I practice. Get I, don't, I don't just do this at work. I actually <laughs> practice that at home. <laughs> well, that's good to know. And we appreciate your dedication yes. to your craft. That's a, that's a, that's very important. Because if I only did that here, you know, you can only get so good in the workplace if you don't actually go home and practice it. You know, I, I think that your uh, again your dedication is is noted. So I have to ask this question. Yeah. Uh, when smoking cigars. Choice of punch or cutter? Well, it really it depends on the person and the particular cigar. Uh, my wife got me a great punch, um, a really nice one that has unscrewable sides with two different size uh, things a couple of years ago, and I started using that a lot. And I really like it. The thing I like about it most is that it's sometimes the easiest way to to get your cigar ready to smoke without cracking. One mm. of the things that uh, when I use a, a cutter, I hate it when when I cut it in a way that it starts unraveling a little bit mm -hmm. uh, around the uh, around the head, and it's it's just not as likely to do that with a punch because you're taking out a smaller right. uh, piece. I also really like V cuts, but I, all my I have a couple of V cutters, and they're just the cheap plastic ones. I really need to. To invest in a really good V. So uh, I actually I need to do the same thing too because V cuts are nice. I love using the um, the big table one that they have. At, yeah, you know, yeah, on the counter fun. at the store. Mm -hmm. But uh, so puncher cutter. Uh, it depends on what I have with me. I like to carry the least amount of things possible. Agreed. So if Makes I sense. have a lighter and I have a few lighters that have punches built in, like right. there's a part that folds out and you can use a punch. Mm -hmm. But uh, Steve sold me this thing. I ended up giving. I had a nice uh, a nice clip. <clears throat> a nice cutter that I gave to a friend of mine uh, in New Orleans when I was uh, hanging out with him the last time I was out there, because uh, he had he had some cutters, but he didn't have a nice like metal like really high quality mm -hmm. one. He just had a bunch of plastic ones. So I went into Casa uh, to smoke my cigar that day, and um, and I was looking at this cutter because look how slim and fantastic that is. It's, Man, that yeah, thing it's so small, fit in your pocket. It's good. It's metal. It does all those things. And I'm standing there looking at it, and I'm thinking about it. And then Steve walks up and goes, well, you know, they make a lighter that that sticks magnetically to. Perfection. <laughs> and, of course, Perfection. you had to go for the full Monty. And I said, damn it, Steve, you have now broken the uh, 
the uh, budget for the day. So <laughs> I, I'm going to go ahead and not do that. And then he made me an offer I couldn't refuse. I was like, ah, crap. So, so the answer is... So, but that was a long time ago. You've been using that It was. I've been time. using it a long time. So the, the true answer is it's a matter of convenience for me most of the time. It's whatever... Uh, Whatever device I have easily in my pocket. The one thing that I have, uh, I have to remember when I have a punch though is when I grab cigars to to go smoke and I have a punch in my pocket, don't grab a torpedo. Right, because it's hard <laughs> to punch a torpedo. You can't punch yeah. a torpedo. <laughs> uh, I will say, by the way, the one thing that I will mention is that, and, and this is particularly true if you are using some of the uh, you know less expensive plastic uh, cutters. One thing you want to pay attention to is when those blades start to get dull, oh. it will cause more damage yeah. to the uh, wrapper of the cigar. It's, than uh, so, kind of watch it as you as you cut, and if if it's pressing way in it crushes, before it makes an incision, yeah. it's crushing it. Uh, then it's time to get another one. So, yeah, and, and okay. those plastic ones, man, you need to make sure you don't have any kind of uh, attachment to them. You just need to throw them out yeah, when they get dull. Right, when they get dull, just throw them away, get another one. Absolutely. So this is a, a Pilsner from uh, from the guys at Paradigm Brewing Company. Professor, professor Pils, Pils, I yeah. presume. I tell love us the, anything about the good professor? I love the on pictures. It's, mm -hmm. it's got like a monocle and a mustache. This has been, you know, the last year really in, in craft beer has really been the year of Pilsner. Uh, there's been so many Pilsners and lagers that craft uh, uh, brewers have been putting out and it seems to have become kind of the hip and go-to thing for beer snobs so um a classic german pilsner from a brewmaster who's a professor of brewery operations and management at a major texas university packed with honey and floral malt notes this beer delivers classic hop notes in every sip there's a special drinkability that comes from the long aging and lagering process long aging and lagering seems like a it's the same thing it's redundant because lagering actually means to age. <clears throat> All right, um, that makes this beer melt in your uh, that makes this beer melt in your mouth. Class is in session. It hmm. says we're at five and a half percent, which is not bad for a, a pilsner. That can be a little less than that often. Uh, well, I really like this. Uh, the I'm glad you mentioned honey because I was trying to think what is it that's kind of like cutting the hop yeah. a little bit and so I was and, say and, melon yeah and cutting like a, the bitter yeah like honey melon kind of flavor it, it, almost it, creamy a little bit yeah really makes it a creamier uh, a creamier drink for sure I get uh, I get the honey in there I also get that floral mm. thing especially mm -hmm. on the nose which probably comes from the hops I would guess I'm not sure which mm -hmm. hops they use but it's uh, it says specifically uh, floral malt notes mm. so they're saying it comes and from the malt classic hop notes mm. Mm. It's good beer, though. I'm Ooh, for it. Yeah. This, I bet this is particularly good. Like, this is nice out of a can like this, but I bet this is particularly good in the setting of the of, of going to the brewery. And having it from the tap. And having it from the tap. I yeah, bet it's just bet particularly it good that way. I bet it is. By the way, went to a restaurant not uh, long ago, and they actually had, it's the first time I'd gone to a place that had this, they actually had Parish Brewing Ghost in the Machine on tap. Ah, oh, it was so good. It was even nice. better than from the bottle for some reason. Probably just a mental, you know, thing. But wow, was it good! The last time I was at Torchy's Tacos, I was sitting there and I was, I was like, man, I don't usually do a beer during lunch. But then I looked up and they had Ghost of the Machine on tap. Yeah, and Ghost of the Machine with tacos is pretty darn good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love that. Well, I'm gonna tell you, this is a good beer. It, it makes me uh, very interested in finding out more about this particular brewery and uh, and I will say too that, that you know brewers have told us these pilsners and lagers these are more difficult to get right than uh, than ales are 
they're so l- less forgiving. When, when you have more delicate flavors mm-hmm. and you're trying to make a beer that's that's on the lighter side of the beer spectrum, mm-hmm. not a light beer, so to speak, but on the lighter side of the beer, spe- beer spectrum, it's hard to keep that balance because it really is. You add too much flavor, and now you're outside of the light beer spectrum. But if you don't add enough, then you're on you know light beer from Miller spectrum. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> which is towing that line is a little bit, which is still a mark or two above Bud Light. If you have to, uh, if you have to be there, but, uh, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, to, to put the amount of flavor that you need to, and still have it be, um, uh, light enough to, to classify as, as what you want is, uh, is I think more challenging. Whereas with, with ales, you know, first of all, the fermentation process is completely different and, and faster. For ales, the lagers take longer, yeah. so it's a uh, it's a it's an interesting thing to me to see this become such a focus for uh, craft breweries across yeah. the last couple of years. I'm uh, I'm for it. I like it a lot. So uh, we'll have to check out more uh, from these guys in in future shows. I have noticed they had a had a nice array of them at Specs. Uh, I there, will so. tell you, uh, for the first bunch of years of my drinking and appreciating craft brew. I really avoided lagers and pilsners. I did too. I completely I was just an ale guy. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. It was always IPAs and you yeah. wanted the bigger, bolder punch in the face. Yeah, yeah. I think though that <clears throat> with with the popularity of IPAs and how how much the market you know really has gotten flooded with so many of those, I think that's part of what's driving people to say, okay, that's great. What else? The big you know? turning point for me though, the first like um, lager that I ever went. Wow, that's really something. Was the sympathy for the lager from Carbach, right? Which they no longer make. Um, and then, uh, and then AB InBev bought them, and they immediately stopped making that one. <laughs> it's like, come on, it's like, guys, guys this is good. We're gonna stop making it. <laughs> it's like, come on, seriously? <laughs> I mean, isn't that what usually yeah, happens? Yeah, it, it, it truly is. It truly this is. This product is awesome. Take it off the shelves. Yeah. <laughs> well, put it out on a limited release at random. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like uh, you were talking about with with Bob Dylan and 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 deciding not to just go with one of the bigger companies, but uh, doing what you guys did when you put Heaven's Door together, which is just, you know what, let's let's concentrate on doing this exactly the way we want to and not have some guy in accounting tell us, hey, yeah, you know what, uh, discontinue the straight ride. Oh, most, you know? most definitely. I mean, one, one of the biggest conversations we used to have was, even though that's what's in the bottle, maybe the proof changes. And right. we've already done that with our bourbon. Our bourbon, when we launched, was 90 and usually as you grow, people assume that it's going to go lower because they're like, oh, they're going to get more bottles out of it. Yeah. They're going to get more pallets and so forth. We actually increased ours by two <laughs> points. We were like, no, 90 was good, but Ryan just, it was something missing. And then at 92, he was like, that's it. And so we actually went the opposite direction than what, what bigger uh, bigger companies sure. would do, I guess. Sure. And, you know, we're always playing with each one of our, even if it's our core line, playing with it and like, well, what if we did this? Should we make that a change? Hold it off for later, but keep the sample. And it's just kind of playing with your food mentality. And that's kind of the beauty of being small is you get the luxury to do that. When when you kind of get bigger, you have someone above you that has, like, the nun's ruler. And they're like, no, you're not doing that. And the number charts. Exactly. (laughs) So, like, according to this spreadsheet, you're like... F this spreadsheet. We're talking about flavor here. No, you're you're 100% (laughs) right. And that, you know, in, you know, corporate America, that is often how decisions are made. I guess in some cases it's the way they Mm -hmm. they have to be made because, you know, everybody's – what's interesting is when when your only focus is productivity for this quarter and the bottom line for this 
quarter. It's hard to make good long-range plans. It's the it's the one basic flaw in how the business world is set up. If you're so focused on making your numbers, because let's face it, that's how the managers in the company get incentivized. If they they'll make their it. numbers, they get their bonus for that quarter. And and so they'll do almost anything to make those numbers in most cases, that's rather than looking out for the long-term health of think, the company. I think that's where the more is less uh, thing comes from, because, you know, you could you could make it a little less alcohol by volume, and then you get more bottles out of it. Mm -hmm. But I've done some serious study, and I've found that more is actually more. Yeah. <laughs> I, I applaud your study. Well, I, I think, kind of agree. You know, yeah. to, to have the role that you do with the Connoisseurs Club of Smoking and Drinking yeah. and here on Smoking and Toasting, I think your research is important and uh, should probably be funded by federal grants. That would be amazing. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be amazing. <laughs> I second that. <laughs> get, a, get a check in the mail from the government. It's like, thank you for all you do. Please continue to drink. <laughs> Who do I get in touch with about that? <laughs> I don't know. There's bound to be somebody. Uh, all right. We're going to take a break. We'll come back. We're going to do... Uh, some whiskey tasting. Plus, we have uh, we have more beers to taste as well. And in fact, our next beer is going to be a hazy IPA called Blanc Noise from Firestone Walker. Who, uh, um, let's face it, these guys are are they kind of know what they're doing at Firestone mm -hmm. Walker. It's it's that kind of a company. So we'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting. Thank you for hanging out with Looks us. Looks like Josh Hall is watching. That's weird. Wow. What? Aren't you supposed to be working? The world just tipped on its <laughs> axis. <laughs> Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. Our program's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. It's show number 271. And our guest today is Austin from Heaven's Door Whiskey and Spirits Investment Partners. I want to say thanks, by the way, to our guests last week, Peter and Cody from The Ready Room, who surprised us because usually when they come on, we talk cocktails. And instead, they showed up with beers. Yeah, yeah that like, was our third or fourth really show good. with them. And yeah. And it's been cocktail, cocktail, beer. Yeah, it was uh, It was kind of fun and, and different. Uh, speaking of beer, by the way, uh, excited to announce that uh, as... As advanced as our home city of Houston has been in uh, in craft brewing, uh, we have Texas' oldest craft brewery here with St. Arnold. We have uh, mm -hmm. uh, over 60 craft breweries. But one thing we did not have that some other cities have had, we're now about to get. Uh, For the Culture Brewing will be, we'll be opening later this year, and it will be Houston's first black-owned brewery, which is, uh, you know, they've already, uh, they're already doing it in San Antonio. They've already done it in a number of yeah, other crazy, Texas cities. Uh, but the, but uh, Jonathan Brown and Carl Roches Jr. have been busy uh, brewing in uh, their home garage in Pearland, and the brewery is about to open. So they're very excited. That's exciting. And, and uh, hopefully we can uh, get out there and, and do some tasting, maybe have those guys come on to the show. Okay, I've got beers I'm passing around, and this looks like some whiskey I'm passing around, too. Is that right? That is. This is Since we're going with an IPA, we kind of figured a rye would be the best. Right, because right, it'll stand <clears> up uh, they, uh, better. Yep. They're both bold enough, so I feel like it's it's comparable. So where do we go uh, first, Ian, in your tasting opinion? Do you go with the rye My first or go with opinion. the opinion? That's Well, that's mm -hmm. a good question. Let's see. <laughs> that's got some dankness to oh, it. I'm going to go with the rye. I'm going to say rye that first. Rye first. Rye. Okay. I'm going to agree right. with rye. Not, so, not, not because I'm biased or anything. <laughs> so tell us about uh, tell us about this particular uh, spirit from Heaven's Door. Uh, so this is our this is our straight rye. The beauty of this is it has a mash that most are uh, familiar with. We can't say it on uh, on 
here, but it's a high rye with a little bit of malted barley. Mm-hmm. Um, but the beauty of it is that our finishing process. Okay. So essentially, I always attribute the flavor profile of trying to be what rye was in the 1700s, predominantly rye with a multitude of other grains. So mm-hmm. a much more complex rye than we're used to trying in modern ryes now. Right. Modern ryes are... You a little know, more straightforward. They're a punch in the face. They're mm-hmm. usually high proof. Um, what we did is we finished this in French wood in a skinny, tall, 55-gallon cigar barrel, mm-hmm. named for the way it looks, not any kind of tobacco or smoke flavors. Right. Um, we air-dried the staves as opposed to kiln-drying. Most of your American barrels are usually all kiln-drying 12 to 24 hours. Sorry, yeah, 12 to 24 hours. Um, we and what's the difference in terms of uh, what that would do to the flavor? Um, I mean, with kiln-drying, you can always think of it as since it's— it's that heat is being added to it. You to will lose a, you'll yeah. lose a little bit of flavor out of the wood. Okay. Um, mainly, a lot of European um, coopers do a lot of the drying, and they're very they have strong neuroses about how they dry their barrels and I mean the stays and so forth. Um, with that with, with that air drying, especially with the the type of wood that we're using, and it's a French white wood. It actually ho- opens up those fibers in the wood because they're very tight fibers. They're great for wine, so it gives just a little bit of flavor and makes all those back ends. But we wanted more out of it, so that's why we air-dried it for three years, really giving it time to go through the seasons, building the bigger barrel, mainly because we want more liquid to the wood. And it's only lightly toasted, and then we finish it for about six months to a year. Nice. So Ryan Perry, our master blender, actually won't try it uh, until exactly at six months. But even though we said six months to a year... That doesn't quite mean like at a year he's done. It's, right. It's kind it of might go longer if it, you got to try it and right. toast and when it's and, ready. It's and ready. He, he kind of does it like the first step of the proofing process. So at barrel strength and below proof minimum, mm-hmm. kind of seeing the concentrated flavors, maybe seeing where there might be weaknesses in it, um, not actually fully finding it to proof. Um, and it's really interesting um, by doing that, uh, as, as he likes to say, it's ready when I. Say it's ready, mm-hmm. and there's another word in there. there there's like the maybe like something we're we're trying with a blank <laughs> the something. Blank. <laughs> um, but uh, it's very true, and it's very much a passion project. As as those who are whiskey nerds, you always know your distillers, your scientists, your master blender is kind of your artist, really. Right. It's very much your grandmother's style of cooking. It's really cool, though. Again, talking about what you can do in a smaller company that it can be more difficult in, in the big guys is, is your your guy can say, yeah, it's ready whenever I say it's ready. Exactly. Not ready when corporate says ready. Right, exactly. exactly. It's not ready when the accountants say it's ready. It's ready when the people who know whiskey say it's ready. And that is uh, really preferable. It's a delicious rye. It's very, uh, I don't know, it's very full and complex, so, I think. Uh, my interest, especially in this rye, is on the finish. It's Oddly delicate yet spicy, mm-hmm. and then it just leaves you with this little warmth in the back of the palate that lingers yes, in the best does. way. But it's 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 like a whiskey hug, but a little more gentle. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's almost like it's, just a, it's uh, it's a whiskey very, embrace. If yes, you will. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> we, we always joke that uh, it's a little Ryan, less awkward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ryan Perry loves Canadian whiskey because of some of the delicacies that they uh, Canadian rise. Sorry. Because of some of their delicacies. And it's like the one point where he and I essentially don't agree. I was like, I don't know what's wrong with you. What? No. <laughs> I, I, I unfortunately don't agree. But it's kind of a really beautiful kind of thing. It's that 1700s American production and then maybe a mashup of some flavor profiles he likes from Canadian rice. I'm, you know, see, so see, see whatever. He likes to embrace like. his whiskey and you like to wrestle yours. 
I guess. I mean, I, maybe I just wanted to punch me in the face. I don't know. But I love, I love what this does, well, especially this, the the texture that the finishing provides. Yeah, it's definitely not a face punch, but it does draw you in that uh, that lingering finish that Ian was talking about. The middle of this has such a big cinnamony, um, round. There's almost a there's a sweetness in there, and it's not brown sugar, but it's kind of in that. Mm-hmm. I always, I always kind of called it a, not really attributed to a sugar, but just like a golden sweetness. Yeah, not per se it has, honey, but it's, it has it's a little hard to, like a lighter, or a honey sweeter. almost, but yeah. but it's not, it's but not, it doesn't have like, that flavor. It doesn't have brown sugar flavor, it doesn't right. have honey flavor. Kind of like a honey molasses or something. Something, it's a, something that kind of cuts it a little bit, gives it sweetness, gives it savory notes. And then that, that cinnamon point, I always called it Vietnamese cinnamon. If you ever tried that, it has like an anise quality to it. Uh, and yeah. so it's almost this like cinnamon fennel or just mm-hmm. Vietnamese cinnamon quality about the middle of the of the sip. Um, that's um, that's really nice. Curious about when you go to the uh, Have you done this yet? I just did, yes. Oh. You know, uh, so I ran across, I'll talk a minute while you guys taste. I ran across the first rye and IPA um, um, uh, uh What's the word I'm comparing? Uh, by accident, I was at a friend's bar and he had the he had the uh, two row rye from Basil Hayden. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Hey, I haven't tried that. Can I try that?" And I was drinking a two hearted ale at the time, and so I tried that. And then I went to my beer and I was like, "What is happening here?" <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, that was that was me learning thing. that if you're gonna have an IPA and you know in a whiskey the Rye and the IPA will go together. Well, this enough, one smells dank. Interestingly enough, and I did not this bring one it in. like kind of pine cone and dank. Oh, it smells that way. Wait till you taste it. It's oh. Not, it's not the punch in the face you, you would assume from the nose. No, it's not. It's mm-hmm. bright. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really bright. Bright and citrusy. I have, by the way, in my beer fridge, um, uh, something from Harpoon out of Boston that I just picked up, and it is a uh, rye IPA. Haven't tasted it yet. Don't even know. What constitutes a rye? A rye PA? A rye PA, yeah. Uh, but I'll uh, maybe bring that in next week um, and we'll try it. This, this whiskey and beer pairing is fantastic. Yeah, it kind of is, isn't it? Uh, tell it, us a little it, bit. I, I'd be interested to try it without the whiskey. Uh, um, maybe uh, try to reacclimate my uh, taste buds because it really does make the citrusy, but citrusy in like a indistinct way you know how mountain dew is citrus flavored but it's yeah, not like you can't sorta. say mountain dew tastes like this citrus thing yeah <laughs> it's, it's kind of like that without actually being you know right it, it isn't a distinct <laughs> firestone's gonna send me a mean letter <laughs> but but it's it's not like orange our beer does it's not, not taste like, like uh, uh, mountain dew. like mountain dew um, uh, but it's, it's not like orange it's not grapefruit it's not it's not a particular citrus it's just a general citrus no it's good kind of like a starburst so I'm Firestone, sure what, uh, did you just call it a zing at that point? It's maybe, like, yeah. Maybe there's, there's the kick. Citrus zing, <laughs> or such a masterful blend of flavors that the individual components are indistinguishable from each other. This is Ian trying to dig himself out of the hole he's in with. Uh, with that the was pretty Firestone. good, right? I, I mean, I was, I, I was it. all in. I, I was like, it. you know what? I love this. I loved it. It's, it's delicious, though. I mean, this is no, a it's, it's really fantastic. tasty beer. Uh, Firestone. By the way, I, I, I picked up um, when I got this. I picked up. A uh, mix pack, a 12-pack mix pack of Firestone Walker 
hazy IPA. So four different hazies in there. And uh, I think we've had one of them on the show before, but this is the one I chose to bring in today just be- because it was a very limited release. It's not something right. you're going to have around. So for after while, uh, cleansing my palate a little bit with this uh, St. Arnold H-Town pills, um, it, the beer's even better. Because you get the maltiness up front now. Once you're not pairing it once, with the whiskey? Once you're not pairing it with the whiskey, the beer's... And the beer was good before. Mm-hmm. The whiskey's outstanding. But the beer's even better because it has a malty, um, uh, sweet beginning to the mm-hmm. flavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's, not a, it's not as sweet. I mean, I really feel like it. the whiskey almost sweetened. Almost made it sweetened. Yeah, much much sweeter than what it really is now. Thing thing out. Now, and I haven't gone back to whiskey yet. So well, it's great see. paired, and it's great uh, uh, apart, too. All right, so when you go back to whiskey, it brings out some of those caramel things going yes, on. Yes, I got a little bit Caramel of and cinnamon, big mm-hmm. time. Cinnamon, like, all that is, sitting that, in the front. What's very, that? Very much front in, in the front palate. It yeah, just yeah. sits right there. Yeah, yeah. I like it. That's fantastic. <laughs> All, right. All right. We're going to take a break with this is one of our shorter segments. So we will be back. We have more beer to taste, including uh, Legion, the Russian Imperial Stout uh, from uh, Community Beer Company. And, of course, there's still more whiskey and more uh, m- more interesting stuff. To- treats. Ah, so we'll, we'll get, we'll get treats. some of that coming up next. Uh, Heaven's Door is in the house. We are knocking, and uh, we'll be right back. Smoking and toasting. Welcome back at Smoking and Toasting, show number 271, oh, halfway yeah. to 300. Halfway. I've done the math. Uh, so, uh, just, I we just had one of those, uh, <laughs> just had one of those uh, little things between the segments that makes me say, if you don't actually tune in for the show on Facebook Live, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, th- this is a reason to do that because all that stuff gets edited out when we <laughs> post the YouTube and the and the podcast. But uh, but if you're on Facebook Live, you can still hear us. And sometimes that's it's between the segments that we usually try to get our guests to like say you know like bad stuff about their competition or you know how's your boss treat you really you know that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the veritable whipping boy. It's cool. Sorry about that, guys. No, I'm just kidding. So uh, so anyway, we were getting into a pretty uh, interesting discussion about jam bands and, and musicians that I said you know we probably should get back to doing the show here. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I do like that we'll take you know. Wonderful detours here on on the show from time to time. I just like to think that all jam band discussions lead to Bruce Hornsby eventually. Uh, oh, now now are you saying that facetiously, or you mean that? No, I'm, I'm being silly about it. Yeah, okay. Well, it, it kind of did for us just now. So <laughs> I thought maybe you were being. I well, thought no, maybe you were we, being yeah, serious. we started off with a jam band conversation, and of course, immediately ended up on Bruce Hornsby. So yeah. I, I will say that uh, my friend uh, uh, Adrian, who she's one of the managers of uh, Phoenicia, the grocery store that's yeah. uh, downstairs in my building, and uh, I remember running into her one time, and uh, uh, she was saying how much she enjoys listening to the show. And I was like, "Oh, I didn't know. I, I know you don't smoke cigars. I didn't. Are you are you into like whiskey or or you know tequila or craft beer or anything?" She's like, "No, not really. You know, I, I mostly just drink you know cocktails and whatever. But uh, but uh, I, I just like hearing you guys go off on detours about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so so somebody likes it. So anyway, that was for Adrian. So thank you. Appreciate that. Um, we are in the studio today uh, with our special guest uh, Austin Millspaw from uh, Spirit Investment." Partners and Heaven's Door Whiskey. Now, I looked up the uh, Spirit Investment Partners uh, website mm-hmm. and noticed that Heaven's Door is 
uh, one of several brands. Are you involved with the other brands, or are you just involved in Heaven's Door? So when, when I started, so I started with a company when we launched mm -hmm. our bottles publicly in 2018. Mm -hmm. um, I was our second ever part-time ambassador, and then now I've grown. When we first did this, I was a, a regional, newly appointed. Right, when we and, first had you on the show. Right, and so now I'm actually our national ambassador. I get the privilege of going coast to coast with us. So as we've grown, I've grown. That's great. Um, so I started solely with Heaven's Door, but now we are kind of evolving uh, just a little bit. But I'm staying more focused on the whiskey side of things. So when it comes to whiskey, you always think of the U.S. hotspots as being obviously Kentucky, Tennessee, and now Texas. Right. Uh, how is Heaven Store perceived? Is it perceived any differently in those places as people kind of have their own, you know, thoughts about what whiskey is like? And, and where do you do the best? Well, we do very well, Florida, Texas and Tennessee um, and actually California as well. What's really interesting is not being from Kentucky. Mm -hmm. You always hear this Tennessee versus Kentucky. Right, rivalry. right, right. And I always thought that was silly. I was like, you know. They both make good whiskeys. Right. Which, What's cares? the fight about? Yeah. And, until I had to do a trip out there and uh -huh. talk to them about Heaven's Door. And they're like, man, this, this whiskey's great. I love it. Where is it from? And I go, Tennessee. They're like, oh, well, we can't bring it in. <laughs> it's like, Wait, you, so it's you, that serious. You, you huh? enjoyed it. Yeah. And they're like, oh, they just, they're not about, they, they only want their whiskey to be to sold where they're at and pushed where they're at. And they're, they're a little relent. They're, they, they, they're trepidatious about bringing in Tennessee whiskey. Well, you know, not for nothing, but. As a state, set whiskey aside for a second, Tennessee's got a whole lot more going on than Kentucky. I'm just going to tell you, there's not much happening there, except their whiskey. Right. So I can see why. And the derby thing yeah. that they do. So, well, okay, oh, yeah. yeah, there's yeah, that. There's two things. Yeah. but I mean, if you fly into Kentucky, that's usually billboards in the airport of just the derby. <laughs> of just the derby. <laughs> but if you ever drive through Kentucky, it's just fields. Oh, yeah. That's, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying there's not a lot of other stuff. You drive through Tennessee, you've got you know the Smoky Mountains, you've got Nashville, the whole Nashville music scene, you've got Memphis, you got the whole Memphis music scene and what that's all about. So it, it, Tennessee's known for a lot of things besides their whiskey, whereas Kentucky, you kind of think of eh, the derby and whiskey. It's kind of kind of what you think of. It right? might be why Tennessee doesn't see the rivalry as a rivalry. Well, exactly. exactly. Like, oh, good Kentucky whiskey. I'll bring it in. Yeah. I like it. It's <laughs> kind of like it's a little like if you're the Dallas Cowboys. When I lived around the country, I discovered there's all <laughs> kinds of cities around the U.S. that think they are the big rival to the Dallas Cowboys. Oh yeah. You know, and these days the, the rivalry's not been worth that much because the Cowboys haven't been that good. But but Neither I lived any in other team. <laughs> I lived in Philadelphia. And they're convinced they're the that's their big rivalry is them in Dallas. I'm like, no, no. I, I grew up in Texas. Dallas's rivalry is the Washington Redskins, Redskins. now Commanders. Uh, but you can't convince them that, convince them of that in Philadelphia or in New York where they think the Giants are the big cowboy rival. So it it, it maybe it's kind of like that. I mean, my family's from Philadelphia and they've always had that same thing. Yeah. Like, Dallas and us, we're, we're doing this. And I'm like, well, yeah. Uh, now that I live in Dallas, they don't see that at all. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was going So, see, we just went off on another tangent. I don't know how good that one was, but uh, it, it, it happens. It happens. Let's talk whiskey. What are, we, uh, what are we trying here? So, as we got caught up talking, I didn't pour. So, my fault. That's all right. Um, what we're going to be trying is a high rye bourbon. Okay. This is a non-Lincoln County bourbon for the whiskey nerds out there. That is a process from distillate to barrel. It's one more step. Okay. So 
some like to call it the blessing before it enters the barrel. Mm -hmm. um, we chose not to use a process because in Tennessee, that's essentially the only state that has a law for whiskey production. And that is the Lincoln County process. Started in 1830, passed in 2013. Very crazy length of time between when that yeah. became a, a law. <laughs> but bourbon being, you know, sanctioned in 1964, mm -hmm. the law being in 2013, it's kind of one of those you can choose to use a process or not. So we chose not to use a process in this bourbon, mainly because if you're thinking in mash before you go to profile, I like to call it a segregation of large grain, your corn, and small grain being your rye and malted barley. So our bourbon is essentially guerrilla art. It's not going to be this flavor that you're used to trying in your Kentucky bourbons. It's going to have a little bit more drier notes, a little more savory sweet notes, not caramels. It's going to have maybe a dark fruit, but maybe a bright fruit note. And then what's really interesting is on the back end, you almost get what I like to call pumpernickel. Um, if you've ever been over kind of like uh, fermentation tanks, and they always say it's like a strong pumpernickel nose. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I always say you get a hint of that before you actually get a good spice kick or spice zing, if you will. Zing. You, you, can't, you can't quite put a, an acid to it. If you were, I'd say like maybe a sweet acid of it, your choice. It does have a zing, though. You're absolutely right. And I like that. It's, it's, uh, this, to me, is a very, very friendly. Um, you uh, stole the word right out of my brain. What, friendly or zing? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's very friendly. It's just, it's just very easy to accept onto the palate and say, more, please. You know what I mean? Heaven's Door is like a warm, friendly handshake from a man you've never met before. <laughs> can, can I get that? Can I get that sound bite, please? But I, th I think. <laughs> but I think you need to add to the end of that. I think you need to add from, from who, a best friend you didn't know you had. <laughs> but still, I think you need to add who is in no way creepy. In no way, yeah. <laughs> not wearing a trench coat. Right, just right. No, this just is saying. this is sneaky because it's so sweet and approachable up mm -hmm. front, and then it's got. That zing, that lingering kind of zing to it, mm -hmm. and then um, the the whiskey hug that you get from the uh, from the back of it is is not all that. I mean, there's a little presence to it, but it's not it's not. I mean, it, that it, big. it sits. It's almost like a cuddle rather than a hug. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, who's the big spoon? Who's the little spoon? <laughs> but but like we said, with smaller with smaller distilleries. When we originally launched, it was at 90 proof, and now we're sitting at 92. That's not me um, making all that noise, is it? Sorry I'm not sure. I, I didn't know what that was. It sounded like a... I did hear that earlier, but... Uh, I, I, for a moment, I thought there were a group of conspiracy theorists standing and chanting outside the, the window. I thought I have everything uh, turned off here. <laughs> well, uh, in any case, though, it was, it was sort of a fitting... Uh, Soundtrack, if you will, to this very friendly <laughs> uh, sort of whiskey. Um, so sorry to interrupt. So this one, I just want to be clear. The first one we did was the straight rye. Yes. This one is the straight bourbon. So this is, um, I have to say, it's as friendly as it is, it's got a little more heft to it than a lot of straight bourbons, I think. It's almost as spicy as a standard rye, I think. Yes, it is. In a good it's, way. It's more spicy than you expect out of uh, most bourbons. Mm -hmm. Agreed. That and, aren't just rye, you know. Well, I mean, you have so many high rye bourbons that are out there. Some even higher than what ours are. Ours is, but yet ours has a more bold voice. So if that makes sense. What actually classifies a bourbon as high rye? Is there a, is there a threshold? So. I guess definition-wise, I don't really believe there is, but I guess in kind of common whatever you want to call it, 
it would be something potentially over 15%. Percent, right. Um, okay. But that's, I mean, you, can, you when you look it up, it doesn't quite have a definition for it. And what's the percentage in yours? It's it's, o- it's it's over fifteen. It's over fifteen. Okay, fair <laughs> it's, enough. It's it's a decent amount over fifteen. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it's definitely not the highest. However, right. flavor wise, it's the it's very present. It really is. It, it's, it's spicy. It's if you had rye spice that you just don't always expect. If you'd poured it and told me it was a rye, I would have believed you. Right. You know. It, like, it's oh, got this is sweet rye. Yeah. Right. It's got a sweetness to it for sure. But it's it's definitely a. Uh, uh, got that wonderful spicy note that just makes you go, yeah, that that seems like a rye, uh, but but not to the extent of your straight rye. Right. You know, I, I always regret. I need to remember to bring it in here. What what does this do with a splash of water? How does it open up? Well, I mean, as anyone knows, whatever water you're using, distilled tap or what have you, right, right. usually go distilled because that's going to be give you your best metric. I mean, it's going to bring down some of those more prominent front notes and allow a little bit, a lot more of that back to kind of shine a little bit. So where I said the bourbon is gorilla art, so your large grain hits very heavy in the front. So does your small grain. It's not going to minimize. It's going. To, it's not going to minimize one and bring up the other. It's actually going to cut a little bit of the front end on each one of them and bring a lot of their back ends up. I'm 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 finding a little bit of citrus in this as well. I call I would, this one a, like a lemon citrus. Yeah, I that I would assume would probably be a little more present with a splash of water. Mm-hmm. I wanted to uh, d- take a quick detour uh, because you were talking about distilled water. So I had this this freak out earlier uh, this week because I was uh, going through my – I have several humidors. I was going through the humidors, and I discovered that in all of them, my Boveda uh, packs – were hard and crusty. Crispy. Yeah, they were all crispy. So I had to take them all out, and I was like, "Okay, I got to put more in." I went into the drawer where I keep the extra ones, and I was out. So I was—I uh, don't remember—I was late to go somewhere. I was—I'd uh, really just gone into the humidor to grab a, a cigar to take with me, and now I'm in a hurry. And I was like, okay, I've got some of these little spongy things that I can use in the little uh, elements. I'll put some water in these. So I go to the closet where I keep my jug of distilled water, and it was buried behind some other stuff. And I was like, screw it. I don't have time. So I just used tap water in my sponges and and in my little uh, humidor elements. Have I screwed up big time? Not if you do it once. Okay. Not if you do it once. The nice thing about distilled water is it's not going to party flavors, but basically... Uh, one of the biggest things about the distilled water is it's not going to make your sponge all funky. Oh, okay. Okay. You know how your sponge, uh, like your sink sponge, gets dry and crusty and yes, weird? Yes, yes, yes. And it gets and like the regular that, water will do that. That mineral kind of film yeah, on it and yep, stuff. Yep, yep. So that's yeah. what will happen to your humidor elements in your sponges. Also, okay, gotcha. the humidor elements that you use, if you're using those most of the time, you don't have an issue because they always have a uh, mold inhibitor in them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I end up using distilled water probably fifty percent of the time, and then I'll use uh, juice. You know, like, so, yeah, so the humidor juice because it yeah. has the mold inhibitor. Uh, okay, about gotcha. the other fit. So I, I kind of swap back and forth. But I don't think I think having moisture is better than not. And I think if you just go next time with distilled water or juice, okay. you're gonna well, be fine. actually, what I did is I did go out and buy more Boveda packs, and I've got yeah. them in there now controlling the oh yeah the humidity. So, so that's yeah, the way so to go. Like for for a short period of time, I don't think it's going to be any. I issue. just didn't want my cigars to start getting too dry, and yeah. and uh, you know I didn't know. When the next time would be that I'd get out and, and, right. and get the Boveda. So, anyway, all right, thank you for that small detour. Let's now talk Russian Imperial Stout. We're, we're all pretty pissed off at the Russians right now. So, uh, uh, you, know, you know, what with invading a, a 
sovereign country and what have you. Uh, so I thought, let's find something good to talk about that uh, has to do with Russia. And Russian Imperial Stout was the only thing I could think of. So uh, well, maybe vodka. But uh, in this case, we'll go with Imperial Stout. You guys have already done a little tasting. So mm-hmm. uh, jump in here while I try it. Well, um, this to me tastes like a slightly under-roasted coffee bean in the best way possible. And I mean that actually I, in a kind of a good I way. I totally get that, what you're saying. from It's the not a dark-roasted coffee until after the finish. That's when you get some of that bitterness. But right up front, it's got a little of that uh, under-roasted coffee kind of flavor, light-roast coffee kind what of flavor. It, it's kind of interesting. What does it tell us about this on the can? Well... It says, the, uh, according to the Surgeon General, women should not drink alcoholic beverages during pregnancy because of the risk of birth defects. Good to know. That's and unique. it's 9.9% yeah, alcohol by volume. 9.9? 9? Oh. Mm-hmm. It's, it's pretty a very, big. It does very, not drink like that. I really like the label and the fact that they use the black uh, can top. It's, it's very, it's very pretty, pretty cool beer. Looking. Yeah, very cool looking. It's, it, let me put it back here for a second. Mm-hmm. It's a little Guinnessy looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I when you that. step back from it a little bit, it's a little Guinness. It does looking. not, however, taste like a Guinness no, at all. Definitely not. I mean, when you talk about Guinness, you're really talking about the lightest stout you can get. Right? You're almost talking about a, a whole other kind of beer. Yeah. Right. You know, nothing else is quite like Guinness. It's it's. I mean, there are, there are a few that have you know sort of tried to make their version of it, but almost outside definitely. of that, it almost, well, it almost is its own category. And, and for those out say. there who are not that familiar with beer, we talk about Guinness, and I know everyone thinks Guinness is one of the, well, it's one of the biggest beers out there. Super dark. It's totally got that not. head on it and everything. Very much not. Uh, it's, it's the same amount of alcohol or like within a couple points of a Bud Light. Yeah. It, it, it really, really is not that big, but it does have big, robust flavor. That's what you're tasting. It's a strong beer in flavor. It's not a strong beer in alcohol. So I was. This it, is a strong beer in alcohol. Way back right. in the day, before I had uh, become more adventurous with with beers, you know, I had a few favorite things, but but you know, I was I was less adventurous than I would think that I am now. Um, I was working for a radio station. We did a whole concert series that was sponsored by Guinness. So every time one of the bands would come to town that would be playing this. It was totally not cool to be at the show drinking something other than a Guinness because they were the sponsor, right? Right. So that was when I actually learned to love Guinness uh, because I'd never really, I mean, I'd had one. Guinness but is good. But I'd never really spent so a lot of time I mean, with it. Oh, I do love me some heart. Yeah. But, but yeah, that was when I learned to actually really appreciate Guinness for, for what it is. And it became something that I would... You know, would order by choice, mm-hmm. uh, not just for the sponsorship. Uh, a- after that, but it's, uh, yeah, it's it's. Well, your wife, you met your wife largely because she was looking for a perfect Guinness, right? She she was looking for any Guinness. Yeah. We were in, she was in Baytown, Texas. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever been to the Guinness pour off? Where they where you have to pour the perfect Guinness uh, and all the PSIs yeah. are all different, so you have to kind of haven't gauge been it. to that. But we did first go first ever competition I did. We did go to the little Guinness um, place in um, 
in uh, Vegas, mm-hmm. and and Tiffany took the little class to learn oh, to get certified to, to, pour oh, the to get certified. Yes. And and did she get the certification? So we have the paper on oh, the that's wall. That's so yeah. awesome! I love that. <laughs> By the way, I also have to credit Guinness with coming up with a new holiday. And most of the time, I'm against new holidays because I think they're just Hallmark trying to sell us something else, right? But Guinness came up with a new holiday called Halfway to St. Patrick's Day. Oh, it's and beautiful. It's, it's a wonderful and it wonderful is a gimmick thing. to sell us more Guinness beer. But that's okay. But that's beer because. It's way cooler than a Hallmark card. <laughs> way cooler, yeah. Uh, I like this beer. Uh, it's very... It's good. It, it's, I don't want to say one note sounds like I'm being negative, but I don't mean it that way. It's just very it's, much zeroes in on the flavor that it's going for, and that's that lightly roasted coffee bean you're talking it's about. A, it's a one-trick pony, but it's a good trick. Yeah? Oh, yeah, that's a great, I mean, the, great way to say it. The, no, the nose is wonderful. For me, For me, when you're talking about that nose, it sounds a very weird thing to say. Have you ever listened to a psalm describe flavor? And sometimes they'll pull out like something random, like a hose cut after watering fresh grass. Yeah. And you're like, what does that smell like? The first thing when I smelt this, now this might be because I just started using wet dog food for my dog, but, it's, but it actually was the opening of a good wet dog food can. It had like a weird cereal green. Now, is this yeah, a the cereal green thing? Is yeah. this something you like or dislike? It's become a, a pleasant like nose See, or something. Okay, reason. I understand this because I, 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 I don't I, understand it. I opened the little tub. We we feed Gracie this, a mix of things. She eats like a, a you know royal princess. But one of the things we add to her food bowl is a little bit of the stuff out of the tubs. You know those little tub mm-hmm. plastic tubs. Man, sometimes when you open that stuff up, it smells it, really good. It doesn't smell bad. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, my dog's sixteen now, so we're trying to kind of find yeah. new food for her. But I yeah. don't even know how to feed my animals anymore. I have cats and dogs, and my wife has this process. In the morning, the dog gets part of this wet food and oh, yeah. some dry food. Yeah, the cat uh-huh. gets part. Of it. I have no idea. Like, I, I don't even know what to do anymore. I would just be like, just. Put stuff in bowls. You all, know. all I know is that my dog eats better than I do. That's all. That's all Most I know. definitely. That's so does mine. All I know. Well, uh, I think this is uh, delicious. Is community? You're from you know the Dallas Fort Worth area. Is community a big deal there? Is it one of the leading local uh, craft breweries, or is it up and coming? How would you describe it in the echelon of uh, Dallas? For, for what it is, when it launched, uh, community and Petacolis, those breweries really helped get breweries in the city because for mm-hmm. the longest time the city wouldn't allow breweries to be within the city limits so you had to be on the outskirts right. or somewhere so else in the yeah. you, you would talk about this brewery that's an hour and a half two hours outside or the Rar city Sons in exactly. Fort Worth or like, whatever yeah oh, okay great but because of a person by the name of Mike Petacolis, mm-hmm. he helped get people like community and himself and his brewery in um, brain dead god rest its soul uh, it, it's no longer around, but really great breweries got to start to kind of be within the city limits, mm-hmm. and it allowed beer drinkers to intimately interact with those that made it, which is you kind of need that, right? Yeah, yeah. That tangibility it, it, it's really part helps. of what ties it to the community. I think completely. You know, agree. you can totally see that. You know, I live very close to uh, Edo, which is east downtown, and there's several really good breweries mm-hmm. in that area, and they are so much a part of the fabric of that community yeah, of this city, and it's, it's totally the way that that they set themselves up. It's part of who they are. Oh, yeah. And these, these guys are in the design district in Dallas. I mean, I'm from Houston, but I live in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And they're in the design district there. And, you know, they've kind of been the linchpin to growing that neighborhood. Yeah. And what, it's kind of amazing. What about Martin House? Those guys seem like they're kind of nuts. And they I mean, are in, nuts. A, in a good way. They're beautifully nuts. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They, they're, they're very, very crazy people. They're like, how weird can we get? I know. I, I have been to that. that brewery, actually. You have been there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Years yeah. ago. Years ago. And, uh, and they were just... 
they were just a, a warehouse with some uh, uh, some some picnic tables out back, kind of like brass stuff like that. And you walked in, <laughs> yeah. And you walked in, and they had all these cans that said "Oklahoma sucks." Do you remember that beer that they had? <laughs> yeah, they had a beer called "Oklahoma sucks." <laughs> if you ever go look on their gin and juice video. One of their guys came into a bar I was working at, and he's like, I need you to help me with this video. I was like, sure, what do you need us to make? He's like, no, you're going to be in it. And it's this just Oh, so you're silly, in the video. Oh, it's the silliest thing of everyone pretty much drinking gin and OJ and or the gin and juice beer yeah. to the actual song gin and juice. Oh, it's, nice. it's, it's Snoop awesome. Dog. A little Snoop Dogg. It's Dog. wonderful. Speaking of Snoop Dogg, by the way, did you watch the Super Bowl halftime this year? It was amazing. I thought it was awesome. Absolutely and amazing. And I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I had very low expectations, except for one thing, and that's that Dr. Dre generally knows what he's doing. Yeah. But yeah. still, so often when you see rap shows in like a huge stadium-type environment, it's, it's just it's, kind it's of not a done mess. Well. Yeah, it was so no, that good. that was fantastic. It was so good. I was so pleased with it. All right, on that note, we take a break. We come back. Uh, our next segment, we have more whiskey to taste. And, of course, it is our uh, <clears throat> appropriate time to, uh, to bring in the story. It's time for Drinking News. <laughs> Ooh-wee, I got to take a break. <coughs> Welcome back. It is Smoking and Toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Austin from Heaven's Door is our guest on the program. Thank you for uh, uh, braving life and limb to make it here to the <laughs> studio today. Because uh, if you missed the early part of the show, it was uh, it was a bit icy when you left Dallas, wasn't it? I, I, I started the trip essentially leaving the Arctic yeah. and the car being covered <laughs> in icicles. And then as I got about halfway here, I watched it actually melt off. So nice, nice. It's pretty interesting. <laughs> uh, well, we are glad you're here and glad you made it safely. By the way, uh, you know that this is now the Chinese uh, Year of the Tiger, right? Uh, which is very cool because sometimes yeah. sometimes it's the year of, like, the rat or, you know, the polecat or something, you know, far less interesting. But tiger, that feels big. It feels important. And uh, the guys at Drew Estate have uh, celebrated it with a Year of the Tiger release, uh, a limited edition Liga Pravada Unico Year of the Tiger, which is uh, pretty cool. So it's something nice. you might want to look for uh, if you're out there. So, uh, all right. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, Austin, what has become one of the uh, most popular with well, quite frankly, the most popular segment on the show is something we're about to do now. It's a little thing we like to call Drinking News. Oh, changing it up. I like that. Oh, oh, sorry. Wrong song. I was, I was about to do my high highs. <laughs> <laughs> so. I mean, I did hear that driving in. So yeah. I'm drinking mad. news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news, drinking news. Drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. A Florida man with one arm said he had a gator for a pet. When I asked about his absent arm, he said, uh, I had to take my gator to the vet. Drinking news. Drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. I love that last chord. That last chord just <laughs> makes it uh, for me. Well, welcome to Drinking News. This is the program's uh, segment where we like to uh, remind you that these stories are sometimes about drinking, uh, but they are always best enjoyed if you've been drinking. Today, for us, 
it's going to be both. Here at Drinking News, we, we like to do our part to tear down stereotypes, including those that are often attached to a person's profession. For example, not every bartender is an alcoholic. Every used car salesman is not sleazy. Although if I ever see that guy that sold me the bright orange AMC Gremlin that one time back in the 80s, I will kick his ass. But uh, most definitely. Uh, every podcast host is not a man-child in love with the sound of his own voice. <clears throat> and most specifically, not all lawyers are boring. <laughs> Some of them, in fact, are quite spontaneous and unpredictable. And I'm not just talking about the ones on the courtroom drama shows on TV. Uh, you know, even in real life, a lawyer can be an adventurous, free spirit who refuses to take orders from the man and does things his or her own way. Like the one particular time last week that a Florida woman... See, I like that we, you have to punctuate any time we actually get a Florida man or a Florida woman in the, uh, in the story. A Florida woman, who also happened to be an attorney, caused a bit of a disturbance at the Beach Lounge in St. Pete Beach, Florida. A lawyer named Kelly Elkins made her way into the Beach Lounge around 2.15 a.m. last Friday, sauntered up to the bar in order to drink. The bar manager, being the respectable person that he is, noticed that the woman was already quite intoxicated and made the proper decision. I don't think most people saunter when her. they're not intoxicated, yeah, saunter, right? Yeah, Sauntering know, is, is usually an intoxicated yeah. um, Sa kind yeah. of thing. Saunter's one of those things that you're, you're right. Something's going on. It's kind of like careening. No sentence that says you, th that he, his car was careening, it never ends well. <laughs> right. you, never, you never careen to a comfortable stop at the That's red right. light. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and you never saunter to a sober, uh, you know, sober engagement. Uh, engagement. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, the uh, bar manager, being the responsible person that he is, noticed that she was already quite intoxicated, and so he made the proper decision that he wouldn't serve her. This didn't sit well with uh, Kelly Elkins, who was determined to have another drink and was damn well going to do everything she could think of to try and get one. So after pleading again to no avail, Elkins decided to take matters into her own hands and disappeared in the restroom where she proceeded to remove all of her clothes. She then emerged back out into the bar, quote, unclothed and completely naked, end quote, according to police, uh, to see if she'd have better luck at getting a buttery nipple or some other kind of drink by ordering completely nude. Instead of serving her a sex on the beach or a strawberry blowjob, uh, the bar manager again refused her request and demanded that she put her clothes back on immediately. And when the lawyer, who seemed to be enjoying her naked bar experience, despite not being able to buy a drink, uh, she, when she refused, police were called to sort out the situation. Upon arriving at the beach lounge, a Pinellas County Sheriff noted that Elkins was still naked and had to be repeatedly told to get dressed. But the attorney would only put on a hoodie, which she then refused to zip up. And according to police, Elkins told the cop she was too tired to put on her pants. We've all been there. I have a question. Yeah. Was she pleasant to look at? I mean, she could have been okay, uh, Adam, this an, is an appellate you, lawyer, and she is, might just be appealing. This is her case. Appellate appealing? Yeah. Uh, go, ahead, <laughs> go ahead and put up the photo, Adam. Um, <clears throat> Oh, yeah. You yeah. have a photo. Yes. There's it's digital not, photographic it's, evidence. It's not a naked photo. It's more like the uh, 
No, it's she's got mug shot. It's more like she's got the shot. look on her face. Look yeah. at that. Her naked antics played out in front of several bar patrons, according to police. Charged with disorderly conduct, Elkins was booked into the county jail, from which she was later released on her own recognizance. The lawyer has not revealed if she plans to represent herself in court or whether she plans to appear there naked as well. We don't know. Uh, so what have we learned here? Well, for one, not all lawyers are boring. Some of them can be spontaneous and willing to strut their stuff to try to get a drink. We should also note that if you really want to get naked and have a drink, there are bars where that actually works. I distinctly recall buying quite a few rum and cokes for a naked girl who said her name was Cinnamon at a bar called The Landing Strip in Austin back when I was in college. The <laughs> so there's that. Strip. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, that's a real place, by the way. Uh, perhaps more importantly, or most importantly, we should also mention that we've now initiated a new policy here at Drinking News for any woman who would like to go to the same extremes as Kelly Elkins. Anytime you want to show up naked at our studio during the Drinking News segment, we would be happy to share some of our beers and our spirits with you. There's usually plenty to go around. We can only hope that if any woman does decide to take us up on our generous offer, it will be better looking than Kelly Elkins. <laughs> we'll take our chances. That's our new policy, and that is your drinking news. Drinking news. That's our time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. It was kind of <laughs> hard to make that one funny, but it was still so absurd. No, it's it's pretty it's pretty good. Uh, it's still so absurd that I just had to do it. You know what's really interesting? I was in St. Pete that day. That you, day, really? Yes, I was. I was there all last week. Had had you heard about the uh, the altercation? <laughs> no, not not so right now. Cool. You know, the most interesting thing to me is that they were still serving at two fifteen a.m. at the uh, bar. Man, that's the, you got to love Florida. Yeah, you know. Uh, but you also have to wonder if that's why the there's such a proclivity of Florida man and Florida women <laughs> stories because of how late they serve. You know, I do remember. I used to I used to spend records a little like alternative dance club in uh, Panama City Beach, and we we'd be open. We were we stayed open as long as people get buying liquor. Really? Yeah. It was, there was no two a.m. You know, last call for so alcohol. Why don't we hear these good New York stories? Like you know the six a.m. bars in New York. Yeah, I don't, really I, hear I don't know. Fun that I, I just don't think people in New York have the same spirit of crazy that they have in Florida. <laughs> I just think it's a Florida thing, you know? It, it very much so is. Uh, anyway, that, <laughs> in all due respect. <laughs> that, my friends, is your drinking news. Um, that was a beautiful thing. Yeah, it was uh, It was indeed. Uh, so we're still drinking whiskey here today, and uh, we're still drinking Heaven's Door. Do you have a couple and, cups left? Uh, I do. So, uh, Stan, uh, talk amongst yourself. So uh, uh, Rhode Island is neither a road nor an island. Interesting. How Tell do you me feel more. Who <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I, I, the first one was better. It had a good. So this is the it. double barrel we're about to go into right now. Eh? Th this was the one that came mm -hmm. out of the conversation. It, uh, mm -hmm. Like I said, oh, beneficent right. error. Right. This the other two were planned. This one was uh, a happy mistake. Exactly. Or or maybe not a mistake. But it was a happy happy discovery. That was my uh, so, nickname in high school. So where I, said, mistake? where I said Legion had a yeah, maybe like a good so red dog food smell. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's another psalmism I always kind of bring up with our double barrel. So we were kind of talking about flavors, talking about front notes, middles, backs, and, and what created these flavors. Mm -hmm. and, and one of the really most interesting conversations is, you know, back to the Bob Dylan mm -hmm. uh, in the room. He really, he talked about whiskey having a flavor like an old wooden structure. Now, 
to people with imagination, artists, and so forth, you can start to kind of take that picture and put it into flavor. Sure. But when you're talking to people that <clears throat> maybe are a little more direct about production, you say that to them, and they just kind of go, what? <laughs> how, how do, right. how do no, I translate I yeah. this? Um, I mean, do I need to go chew on some old wood? Do I need to go to a barn and just start huffing corners and maybe find a way to get that flavor? And, and so... It really came to, and I think we talked about it earlier, the idea of how do you bring in this wood? How do you make sure that it's not a punch in the face? You know, we talk about Texas whiskey. We don't really have seasons, even though we've had, you know, two freezes in Dallas this, at the beginning of this year already. Um, it's very wood forward. The barrel is very present in the flavor profile. Mm -hmm. So the idea was how do we bring the barrel into the fold without it taking over everything else? And so, like I said, it took about 103 iterations. The really beautiful thing is, you know, Ryan Perry always jokes. He's like, maybe I shouldn't have called it double barrel because it is a little confusing. Because when people hear double barrel, they're like, oh, you know, whatever the More barrel was, forward, yeah. it went into this barrel and then a second barrel. And really what it is is three whiskeys, four barrels. It's double barrel because two whiskeys are redundant and one is another category, hence mm. the name double barrel. So a little, little creative, mm. even to the creativity of the label to the comment of flavor profile that created it. And so what it is, it's two high corn whiskeys, same mash, same char. The mm -hmm. biggest difference is one's pulled from the top of the rick and the other's pulled from the bottom of the rick house. And mainly because your push and pulls are pull opposites. Right. So we put those two together at equal parts just to compound that flavor profile. I kind of call this the Wilfer Brimley moment. It's a little mm. too sweet, a little too viscous at that point, and we needed to add structure and balance. As far as I'm concerned, any reference to Wilford Brimley, that's a good thing. <sighs> I mean, I'm not mad at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. By the way, I just, I just want to point out, I love the fact that there's a uh, leaf blower going okay, on in the background so right now. <laughs> I was going to stop. I did that whole rant last week about leaf blowers. <laughs> Am I wrong? Am I wrong? No, I am not wrong. Thank you very much. Wherever I am, the leaf blower. It's kind of like what is that old? Uh, uh, what is that old uh, statement of uh, uh, the, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear? Yeah. When Cruz is there, the leaf blower will appear. I'm just telling you, it's how it works. So this is, I apologize for it. This is delicious in a lot of ways. Uh, the barrel is interesting in this because this has so much of the char. Mm -hmm. It has so much of the oak. It has so much of those things. But there's also like this great tobacco-y kind of flavor yes, going on. Yes, very in much there. so. And that makes that makes this feel like of all of the whiskeys here that this is the one that just and almost begs a, for a cigar. Oh, just most definitely. Begs for almost a cigar. like a like a like, uh, what's the word I'm like I'm used to smelling this kind of spice in like bay rum kind of thing. This mm. doesn't have that, but it has that dark Spiciness. Um, I don't know what else. Uh, what else to compare it to? It doesn't taste anything like. Rum you know, there. it's interesting because all of all three of these have got a spiciness to them. They do. They're they're not uh, they're not super passive, even though they're easy to drink. We call the last one friendly, and and this one's pretty friendly too. But it's not when you say that it's not like they're they're mellow. No, they're just accessible. Well, I mean, the surprising there's thing a little is maple in this too. Marzipan, maple, those sit really well. Um, the one thing I was going to say is we have those two whiskeys, and the thing that adds that spice that we're talking about is we actually take this rye. So this is a finished, like, goes in the bottle, but we take 
the rye before it's finished and blend it in by taste at about 10 to 12%. So kind of adding structure and balance. Then it goes into another barrel, an unused barrel, a little four char for another year. And I call that the homogenizing barrel. But forever is a nerd out there, no, it's not at vibration. It does sit still, but it just brings it together. So Gorilla Art, double barrel is more the symphony, but it is 100 proof and it doesn't drink like it. No, not and, at all. And, but the beauty of that, and I was going to bring it up with the three whiskeys, is that they all kind of uh, lend themselves to a particular type of cocktail. You know, you talk about the double barrel, which we're trying now because of its proof, even though the flavor isn't just a punch in the face, it does carry a boldness. So it works in any of your more creative drinks, something shaken. You know, you want to go a brown derby. You want to do uh, American whiskey riff on a Cameron's kick for the cocktail nerds out there. It would actually hold itself up really well. The, the bourbon, because it has that dryness and spice we talked about, I call it the old fashioned which is, you know, we get a little bored by it now because it's now the most used drink in the world, beating the margarita. But it works really well with those kind of, like, stirred cocktails. But then you kind of go with your rye. I like to kind of say it fits really well with a Brooklyn and a Manhattan, both responses to the martini. So you're kind of like, interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think it works really well in both of those. So this box collection, uh, which this is available at retail, right? It is. You can buy that's with the three different, which is awesome because I love being able to, you know, do these comparisons and different things. And it's not a tiny bottle either. This is actually a substantial amount. That's that's a 200 ml right there. If you get, uh, if you pick out an early favorite, you've got enough of it that you can continue to enjoy it. But I happen to notice on the back of here where you're uh, giving a little explanation of each uh, whiskey, there's all kinds of awards these babies have won. You want to talk about that? Yeah. Um, so I tend not to lean into those as much, mainly because, you know, everyone's got awards and they all smell like ad blank, um, as we've been <laughs> saying. But the, there really were some really great things that came out of those awards. Those mm-hmm. awards for us were more litmus tests. We just really? wanted to see what people thought of us. One of, one of the ones I lean into mostly was the double barrel. We sent it out anonymously to London Spirit Awards. Mm-hmm. And that one's actually not on here. And we're like, let's see what the other side thinks of it. You know, they hate it. They like it. At least we'll see what they think. You know what you're dealing with. Yeah. We ended up getting what's called the Chancellor's Award. So essentially sweepstaking every category that we qualified for. And the really fun part about it was when you win one of these awards to put them on your your packaging, to put them out on websites, you got to pay for those rights. Right. So for about six months after the competition, they were still promoting our double barrel once they found out there was the double barrel to the point where we're a small distillery we don't we don't have large brand money so our master blender comes running into the room who the hell is paying for this what is going on kind of one of those moments and everyone's like no one we didn't do anything he's like oh well, that's kind of cool should, <laughs> should, should, should we try to bring double barrel to london i mean it just it, it's it's just one of those things that, you know hey you like what we make that's awesome that maybe awesome. we can find our way to get it to you yeah. awesome. and now it's in london nice and so then of course cool. and then of course you reveal the racket behind the uh, ratings and and uh, and, and award shows <laughs> is they give you the award so they can charge you for saying that you got the you award you got the award exactly yeah yeah that's uh, that's by the way that's why we don't talk here at Smoking and Toasting about all of the podcasting awards that we've won. Is we just, you know, we just didn't feel like it was worth paying, you know. So that's right. Yeah, 
That's right. It so is we, what it we is. Don't, you know. Yeah, we just don't talk about it. We don't talk about yeah, it. Yeah, we don't talk about it. That was fantastic. We don't, whiskey, yeah, by the way. We don't talk about the year that we beat Joe Rogan in, in the... Uh, uh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, no, not at all. Uh, seriously, though, these are these are all so delicious. Like, I really, really like the double barrel. That's, that's probably my favorite of the three. Is that yours? Uh, I like the double barrel. I This... It's so good. Yeah. Well, Straight bourbon whiskey. I mean, we're, we're, we're still trying whiskey, right? Yes, we are. Is, is, oh. it, is it okay to add a, a fourth to the to the? Oh, no. Please, we couldn't. We couldn't oh, possibly. Oh, okay. Darn. <laughs> so the beauty is, uh, yes. last time I was here, I brought a gift, which was our bootleg number one. Mm-hmm. For those that don't know, that's our limited releases that we come out and in And bootleg's what Dylan wanted to call the whiskey originally, exactly. right? Yeah. I think those are... Oh, these are dirty. Those are dirty. Yeah, Here's clean ones. You need more? Um, yes. So Dylan wanted no, to, we, he, he trademarked the term bootleg whiskey, which brought attention to Mark and Ryan. Did he which, ask about us, by the way? I mean, he doesn't talk to me. He only talks to Ryan and Mark, unfortunately. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say yes, <laughs> uh, based off my best guess. Um, it's really interesting. He's, he's involved with every bottling that we do. And they, they, he only speaks to them and no one else, really. He's only signed since 2018, I believe. Don't quote me. Only 40 bottles ever. Wow. Um, and, and so when you really talk about, I guess, a quote-unquote celebrity brand, I mean, are we? I mean... He's not running around shaking hands and kissing babies. But I think Mark He's, Wahlberg will come to your house if you buy a bottle of his tequila. I think he will. <laughs> yeah. I think The Rock will do a workout session. Yeah, if he gets exactly. Uh, but he'll he'll stand at your door and bellow out, "Can you smell what The Rock is cooking?" <laughs> Which would be pretty cool, by the way. I have to admit, if that happened to me, I would I would tell everybody. So I'm not going to show these bottles. This is just a small okay. little sample. No, these are bottles these are for you. Two different ones here. No, these are the same. These are the same. So right. these are to pass. Both bottles are the same, so that you guys get equal shares. Gotcha. So okay. we we do a program. Uh, we do our single barrel program. A lot of distilleries do those. Like get your barrel with your whiskey club or retailer. And Ooh, that's we, hot. We really we really wanted to do something that showcased sweet. us. So, Did you taste it already? Yes. Yeah. So okay. this is 120.4. I love this. This is a high rye bourbon that we, wow. we've we been working on our own distillate since 2015. We started with two mash bills. Now we're on to five. And this is our way of showcasing some of the stuff we're making. You know how you were mentioning earlier about the gentleness of the whiskey hug? Yeah. Yeah, that's gone. No. <laughs> no, yeah. This, this is... This one's coming up and just, like, practically tackling you and throwing you to yeah, the floor. Yeah, this is, this is like an unfamiliar bear behind you. <laughs> that's exactly right. Oh. It, it, and I know bear means different things to different people. Yeah, it means all of those things. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I like that. That was good. Yes, yes, Matt Booth. That was amazingly PC, wasn't it? It really was. I was like, you well, got I'm pretty saying. good at that over the uh, over the uh, 271 episodes. I'm saying what I'm saying without yeah. saying what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, I say, and I said, yes, Matt Booth. <laughs> so, uh, so listen, this is, uh, well, first of all, it's spectacular. But secondly, mm. it's like, it, it, despite the fact that the first thing you kind of notice about it is its intensity. Oh yeah. But it's also got a really wonderful complexity to it. It's it's really uh, you're sort of waiting for your palate to identify the flavors. What are you picking up, Ian? So 
the other ones, uh, all of these had a little cinnamon note to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We mentioned that a few. This one is like a cinnamon fat lip. It's like <laughs> right up front, like bam. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And then it gets spicy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like on top of that. Right. This is absolutely huge. Uh, there's a little savory spice towards the, 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 towards the end of it, like right before the end of the palate on it that's incredibly interesting. Almost a baking spice kind of flavor going on there. There's a, um, but there's always like there's a sweet consistency that rolls through all of that. There's an interesting tanginess mm -hmm. right about the middle of the palate, and then there's this incredible, pardon me, warmth that just makes you want more of this instantaneously. Like, like this is this is about nine kinds of delicious. I think it really is good, and it's certainly very in your face. But wow, now. Would you ever release there's a, it? There's a great minerality. And yeah, uh, especially which, on the finish. Which yeah. a lot of times happens so much in the finish, but right in the middle of the flavor is very, mm -hmm. very mineral. Would you ever release it this way, or would you tone it down? So if you were, if you were to this, release. This sample specifically, if picked by whomever, mm -hmm. will be released exactly this way. So if I were to sample this, if I'm, say, a, a retailer, mm -hmm. and I would say this is the one, uh, then I would be the exclusive place for people to buy bottles that come from this particular barrel, correct? Exactly. That That's whole really cool. that whole barrel would be 100% yours, and no no barrel essentially for those who've ever been to Rick Houses. Right. Not every barrel that sits next to one another tastes the same. Exactly. Some yeah. can be day and night in comparison to flavor. So, but what's interesting about fun. this is that it lets you know that if you're in your favorite retailer and you see that there is an expression that is, you know, unique. What what would it look like compared to these if it were on the shelf? So on the shelf, these are kind of obviously your miniatures of our core line. Right, right. But you're, they're they're what the big bottles look you, like. The still, bottle looks bigger, yeah. You, you'll still have a, a bigger label here and instead of this kind of colored strip, it'll mm -hmm. all be black with a lot more gold on it. And it and it'll essentially give you which we can't show, but it'll give you all that information gotcha. along mm -hmm. the side, but okay. also give you bottle batch number, let you know like who picked it and so forth. So if you see that, what you'll know is that that is whomever is in charge of, of things for that particular retailer of choosing what they wanted to do for their exclusive. Exactly. So this ostensibly could be the, it's the smoking and the toast and barrel pick. It could be. It could be. Could be. Very much could be. Mm. I like this idea. I'm just putting ideas out there. And and I will just guy. say that if if I were going to pick, this would be very high on the list. This this is quite good. I, I'm in love with it because, as you know, when any distillery starts, you're not just putting out 100% your juice yet because it's in weight. It's aging. It's maturing. Right, right. And, you know, we worked with partners in the interim, and this is when we finally started to kind of put our stuff out. A hundred percent us. And it's like, you know, you and get to pick the, your barrel and see what you think. Got to be the really exciting time for a distillery. Oh, you know, it's you, when, you, when you can transition from just uh, what you've been blending from others to stuff where you this has been sitting I mean, in your warehouse. This tastes like cinnamon toast crunch liquor. It's amazing. Like cinnamon toast crunch for big kids. Oh, definitely. I completely yeah. agree. Yeah. And and that's technically with when I, I picked this one specifically because when you're talking about cast strength, I really like our whiskey at about 118 to 120. Makes it's me, just a sweet spot. It's almost me, sexual. 
makes me think of Cookie Jarvis. Wasn't that the uh, uh, wasn't that the mascot for uh, Oh, uh, I forgot about Cinnamon that, yeah. Toast Crunch? Because that's always what I call Eric Jarvis. I always call him Eric Cookie Jarvis. <laughs> uh, uh, he's a musician from around town. Um, so, yeah, this is really, really spectacular. I almost want to pour this over ice cream, you know? That's so good. I have done that. It's yeah. delicious. <laughs> I um, bet it is. It's, See, it's, I'm not the only person that does it. It's yeah. definitely worth uh, your time. All right. So let me, let me just go further then. I almost want to pour this over my nipples. Have you done that? No, but you gave me ideas. Okay. Now. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I want to put it on my nipples, and they're not even sensitive. Yeah, well, <laughs> that sucks I mean, for you. They might be afterwards. I don't know. That yet. sucks for you. Uh, <laughs> all right. We got to take a break. We'll be back with our final segment. But, uh, but well, so, so the chances of running into this on a retailer's shelf would really be about it being this or something like it. Yes. Would be about that retailer doing the barrel program with you guys correct and have you had a number of those happen so far is it is it we've had a few of them um we when we originally wanted to put something fun out we thought we were like let's let's play with like the concept of a master blender Mm -hmm. so we did this thing called highway 61 and we gave we gave the retailer our whiskey club three bourbons and two ryes to try from and then through a couple you know restrictions tried to tighten them into a profile that they could create, mm-hmm. give them just like the cherry on the cake of what a master blender really has to go through. Program was really great, but on a national scale, it was a little too big. Yeah. And, and at our size, we just, it's too so hard, hard, to, to, too hard to execute. Yeah. Right. So we went to this and we're like, okay, let's showcase our distillate. What's been really fun is those naysayers because we're a celebrity brands right. in that category, which, you know, in terms maybe steps us two steps back before we can take five forward. This was a really, really interesting thing because some of them actually kind of step back up and go, wow, we mm-hmm. really like what you're doing. This is something magical. So it was a really fun experiment. And like I said, we, we do it twice a year. Um, so someone to pick it in the next two weeks, you'd see it in June. And then the awesome. next one comes out in November. Um, awesome. We've seen some great success. A lot of people falling in love with the single barrel program, so much so that a Kentucky uh, reta- uh, retailer uh, actually got it. You cracked the and, ice, and, really? And they, and they were even, they, they were a little worried. Like, well, it says Tennessee on it. We're like, well, yeah. What you think he was going to say on it? Um, and and they were worried. And lo and behold, we check back up uh, like a month later, and they're like, yeah, we're sold out. I was like, oh, so yeah. you know, we we you mentioned the rivalry's not there. You mentioned Highway sixty one, and it made me think. There's a video you can find it on YouTube if you search it. Um, it's one of the Bob Dylan birthday concerts, and it's Johnny Winter playing Highway 61. It's so freaking good. Like, <laughs> if you ever doubted, first off, how good a song that is, yeah. and second off, how amazing Johnny Winter is. He's playing with a slide on his pinky, and he crushes it. It's absolutely amazing. I'll have to check that out. That's I definitely need to Yeah, see that. it's, it's one of the Bob Dylan birthday concerts. I can't remember what year it is, but it's one of them, and it, He's just amazing. I mean, you do know at 80 years old, he's touring again. Yeah. That's crazy. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's insane. And he has a tendency to tour with, like, two of my favorite, you know, one or the other of uh, two of my favorite guitarists, which is uh, Doyle Bramall Jr. Yeah. or Charlie Sexton, both yeah. of whom are just so like, hey, speaking of which, by the way, I did get to go see the Archangels reunion show oh, which was so good yeah Archangel so, so good. good wow it was good like i saw like, i'm Doyle, not gonna get over that one for a while i saw Doyle Bramhall. this was quite a few years ago but i saw him with um 
with uh, Eric Clapton. Uh-huh. And uh, and it was Eric Clapton and Doyle Bramhall was playing with him. And then the opening act was um, 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 a strong persuader. Uh, oh, Robert Cray? Robert Cray, yes. And then they all got out and jammed at the end of it. It was like wow. unbelievable. Wow, that's cool. I uh, I saw Bramhall at the Continental Club. That was that was cool because that's a tiny. Oh, I bet that was a amazing. Tiny room. It was it was really good. But anyway, uh, off on a tangent here, and that's okay. Uh, we are going to take a break and come back to wrap the show up. And uh, want to extend our uh, sincere thanks to Austin for being here today. And we'll come back and salute you uh, in just a moment. It's smoking and toasting. I gotta get a more of something. So. Welcome back. It is Smokin' and Toastin'. We are all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. And we've talked about all three Those today. Good things. Those are all good things, aren't they? Uh, so I uh, want to just mention we have uh, some pretty cool things in store uh, for the show for the next couple of weeks. Uh, Sean Anger uh, is going to be on the program. Uh, he is with Fox, Fox and, and Seeker. Seeker yeah. He'll be here with us next week. He uh, came on with our uh, good friend and... and uh, uh, Chris Morris, yeah, Chris Morris, cocktail, cocktail expert. expert. Yep. Oh, I love Chris uh, Morris. Yeah, He's so fun. So he I'm brought... actually going to try to go see him tonight. <laughs> oh, very good. Yeah, he'll uh, he'll whip you up something good. I promise. Oh, he's uh, one of my buddies. Love so he man. is. Uh, 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 we met Sean Anger from Fox and Seeker uh, when Chris brought him on the program when we did our martini challenge, where we mm-hmm. uh, where we did vodka martinis versus uh, gin martinis. Gin and uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you and Ian. Uh, so uh, it's uh, but but it was fun. It was a fun show, and his spirits were terrific. Yeah, and apparently. He's got something new. Uh, so we had talked about on that on that show. We had talked about how I like some of the barrel rested gins that people have been mm-hmm. doing. He goes, "Hey, I've got one in the barrel now. I will let you know when it's ready. When it's ready." And then he reached mm-hmm. out to me just a couple months ago. He goes, "Hey, uh, it's ready. How can I get it to you?" Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what, the best way to get to me is. Let's make it a show. Let's make it a show. Yes. Perfect. Coming on the show. Perfect. Uh, so Brandon Choke will be joining us uh, the week after that. He's with Five Points Distilling. Uh, we've not had him on the show before. And then St. Patrick's Day is the 17th of March, and we're hoping to do a, a little Guinness special. We're going to do one Wouldn't of two things. Wouldn't that be nice? A little, we're either going to do a Guinness special or we'll do an Irish whiskey blind taste test. Uh, just so you know, so I can also demonstrate how to drink a whiskey in five-ish seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Or not whiskey, I'm sorry, Guinness. Guinness, Guinness, right? I I still want to see that. (laughs) That that might be St. Patrick's Day. And then uh, on the 24th, Docs uh, will be joining us, our good friend Greg Duxakis from Plantation Rum. And he's going to be bringing bringing along Michael Garfield. So this should be... Really? Yes, this should be a very... The high-tech Texan. Yes, it should be a very interesting show. I've listened to his show so many times. Yeah, yeah. so we have all that to look forward to. So... um, Austin, thank you so much for coming in today and for bringing all these goodies and and uh, and uh, sampling the beers and stuff with us. But mostly, thanks for risking your life to get here. <laughs> uh, we we appreciate that. Um, it, I think about you guys a lot, and I'm gonna tell you why. Last time you guys were on the show, you gave me a spike. You actually gave me two of them. Mm-hmm. The cigar pick, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. You gave me two of those cigar picks. And uh, I used those things. That's what I use to purge my lighters every single time. I use those things like. Many times every week, 
and it always makes me happy because it has a little HD stamp on it. I love that. You know what I use mine for? And I use mine, uh, you know, maybe not that often. But I use it as a cigar spike too. Just yeah. So you know, but. Well, uh, but I use mine when I have a cigar that's plugged, that's not drawing well, that I need to create. I will take it. If usually I've used a punch, so I'll, I'll put it right in the center of the punch and just very gently. Kind of push it in as deep as I can to try to open up the airway. Can you show me that visual one more time? Uh, I, I, I realized that we were, we were well, once more. I realized we were about to get banned in Kentucky, uh, so I, uh, I I stopped uh, ahead of time. But uh, but yeah, uh, I may wind up on drinking news if we're not careful here. Uh -oh. A Houston uh, man. <laughs> well, uh, but uh, seriously, thank you for those. Yeah, we both use them all the time, and uh, and and it's not nearly as depraved as it actually was beginning. To <laughs> to appear. So, uh, but no, it, it's it's good. I've, I've been able to salvage some plugged cigars that way uh, by opening up the you know the airway inside the cigar a little bit. So, well, if you want one more oddity, just just a silly little fact. Have you ever seen a hogshead barrel before? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's one showcased in Dallas. Yeah. At an establishment called Dakotas, it was one of the red breast hogsheads. So two years, uh, two to five years in Spanish sherry, twelve to fifteen in red breast. That was from our Master Blender edition. We added uh, our whiskey for 15 months in that. That whole thing now is a barrel-aged old-fashioned. So if you want to see really? what that tastes like, it's quite interesting. Very interesting. So for the nerd out there, it, it, like chase, chase the single Nerds. barrels, chase some of our LTOs, but that's a really cool thing to see. Well, Just had to throw it out there since we were talking about oddities. Yeah, I like it. I love I that. Like it. Well, thank you everyone for being here and being a part of the uh, program today. Thanks to Adam on the uh, Wheels of Steel who has the audacity to be leaving us in a few months and has not been replaced. So <sighs> if you are uh, mm -hmm. if you are someone out there who would like to be a producer of the Smoking and Toasting Show and uh, help us get these on to, uh, uh, I, I almost said on to tape. On to tape. Can you believe they almost said that? If you'd like to help us get these on to real real tape, uh, if you'd like to help us get these recorded. We got us one of them fancy four-track machines. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think some of these uh, bootleg things were recorded yeah, on those. Look how beautiful that album yeah. collection yeah. is. Probably yeah, right. wonderful. Uh, anyway, um, uh, so Adam will still be kind of executive producing the show, but he won't be with us every week. So we'll be, uh, we are looking for someone to, uh, to be our weekly engineer. So if you know anybody, let us know. Thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, have a wonderful week, Ian. Thanks for everything. And uh, I just have to say, you know, uh, once again, Austin, thank you uh, for making it down and for uh, uh, for bringing such wonderful stuff. And we'll be enjoying this for the rest of the day. I can promise you that. Uh, until we meet again, my friends, as we like to say, cheers, y'all. That is my absolute favorite. Yeah, it was a lot of shit on the label, but... <laughs> <laughs>